What are you down to this weekend? Uh, recorded a podcast with you last night. That's true. Anything yeah. else? Yeah, some things. What about you? Some things. Are you you're 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 keeping secrets again? I find this curious. <laughs> Just busy. No, that's mm-hmm. not interesting. Just busy. Not, yeah. Okay. Not worth not worth conversation. Can we can we record late? I have a thing going on in a pandemic. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, okay. I'm impressed. You okay. know me. I'm not nosy. Yeah. <laughs> You're cool. Do you want to start the pod? Why don't we start the pod? Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. Hi. Welcome to season three of Headcanon. <laughs> because it's arbitrary and I just decided that. There you go. Season one was about 50 episodes. Season two was 84. And season three starts now. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that sounds epic. S- is it Sweet Tweak yet? I don't think so. But No, it's not uh, It's not November. Mm-hmm. Is Sweep still a thing in the I, age of streaming? I had no idea. It blows my mind that like cable television is still a thing. Like I kind of understand why network TV still exists. But like why does, you know, speaking of uh, the podcast we recorded last night, why does Freeform still exist? I guess they must still make money from like carriage fees and, and whatnot from cable networks, but I assume it's a front. They're mm-hmm. just funneling money through it. Yeah. I mean, technically Disney owns them, right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, they own ABC family, so I would assume, but well, they had, they were going to have some Marvel shows. So yeah. 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 Right, maybe huh. they'll be folded in at Disney plus one day. Yeah, I mean Disney Plus is missing the uh, the kind of the Touchstone Pictures segment, or like I don't know, maybe they'll just do that under their their old Fox Studios, but they don't have like the more adult section. Uh, it's fascinating to me, like the what was the show? Was it Lizzie McGuire that got like shunted over to and, and Love Victor got shunted over to Hulu? I think it was Love Victor did Lizzie McGuire did not, but they but wanted people, to. People are upset that they did not. Yeah, um, like they don't know how to make shows for disney plus that aren't essentially like pg to like light pg-13 well like i actually like turned on netflix last night for the first time wow. in a while i know you don't have it because you're a hero no um we'll I give you the metal netflix after this but mm-hmm. like there's a very simple thing there where it's just like the profile is like who you're logging in as and one of them is just like child so i kept thinking like couldn't disney plus just have that for they may you know, so, you could, so you could have char- movies where characters say fuck mm-hmm I mean, they may. I don't know. Um, like I think that all, the, dark. all the services kind of have just like a kid's option when you log in, I think. Mm. Hmm. But yeah, I wonder how like hardcore WandaVision or Falcon Winter Soldier will get. I, I mean, it'll be the usual thing where there'll be some gore. There'll probably be like a single expletive in the whole season, but like nothing too sexual. Because mm-hmm. that would be wrong. I can't imagine that like Vision is just like, Wanda, peg me, you know? Well, we'll see. The gauntlet's been thrown down now. Um, so speaking of television, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Uh, I want to say I'm, I'm watching another episode of Raised by Wolves, but I'm not sure that's true. Uh, I watched another episode of third, The Third Day. Um, and then I watched an episode of Pretty Little Liars last night. Okay. Um, so I watched... 
in the pilot for Utopia today. This Ooh. was Once Upon a Time supposed to be a David Fincher, Gillian Flynn adaptation. Now it's just uh, Gillian that, Flynn? Uh, HBO just said no to, like, I didn't think they wanted to pay the money or something. So now mm-hmm. it's just Gillian Flynn, and I think, like, the director was, like, Toby Haynes, who mm-hmm. I think is going to direct that, like, Cassian Andor series that nobody's asking for. Um, that was not what I expected as a show at all. doesn't look good in the trailer to me. I had no idea what it was other than that it was, like, a British TV show, and it was, like, relatively critically acclaimed. People are excited the idea of Fincher and Gillian Flynn making a show out of it. It's mm-hmm. like about this comic book that people are obsessed with. I was like, really? This is what the show is? <laughs> was it always this? I don't know. It's very strange. Is it like, is it somewhat pandemic related? Uh, ish. There's like little hints of it so far. It seems like, and it, it's like all these various viruses have been hinted at in this comic called dystopia. Mm-hmm. And they think that it like predicted the future. And so they're really obsessed with the sequel to it called Utopia that's coming out. And there's like Hitman trying to kill people who've seen the comic. I don't know. It was very bizarre. I was like, huh? Okay. I had no idea that I, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. But good though. You enjoyed it. It was okay. Um, watch more? Supposedly Cusack is in it. Although he was not in that episode at all. I think he's in the trailer. Like uh, Dwight from the office is in there. I didn't see him either. I don't know. There's like there's like these two hitman characters that I just immediately give me like these like nineties vibes. Mm. You know, like they're mm. they're like quirky hitmen. So I mm. don't know. I guess I'll watch the second episode, see if it is gonna go anywhere interesting. I'm not super into like Jessica Roth, like just being crazy conspiracy lady about like, don't you see this this the shape of this leaf in the comic book is shaped like Uganda and that's where this outbreak of this disease happened. And I'm like, yay. We have enough of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want no gay frogs. Uh, other, um, other than that, um, I've just been watching probably at least 50 times that Gap ad that David Fincher directed. Uh, okay. Linked to on my Twitter. I don't know. I'm just kind of obsessed with it. It's I could just see a whole movie just based on that. Fincher's he's good. Okay, cool. Did you watch it? I believe so. Okay. It was. Were you impressed? Um, it was, it was good. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know how much, how much do you want? As much as you can I guess me. I do not see what you see, but I'm so okay. glad you see it. You just have to keep watching it. Okay. It, there's a lot of just very subtle, very smart stuff going on. Okay. Okay. Mm. Like I need to, I need to zoom into it like that REM video, Imitation of Life. I wouldn't say zoom in. Just, just keep mm. watching it. You'll pick up more stuff. What's the most annoying Hitman character you can think of? Um, hmm. That's a good question. I almost feel like sure there should tons. be like a listicle for that. I, I'm sure there's tons. I've there, got one. Uh, like a lot of like the, the non Tarantino hitmen of the 90s were pretty annoying. But that wanted to be Tarantino hitmen? Mm hmm. Hmm. What's, what's I'm going to throw out, I don't know if this is the most annoying, but this is the first one that comes to mind when, when this question is posed. Two words Nikki Cat. Um, what was that in? Well, he was in the he's he's played Hitman at least twice that I can mm-hmm. think of. One time in that um that uh Liam Neeson Snowplower movie. <laughs> Remember the thing where it's like his numbers game is that he checks in the hotel. Right, right, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, what That's are you thinking that. of specifically with Nikki Kaz or a certain movie he, you're thinking of or uh, I know he was like a Hitman in the Limey. Um Yeah, I I like something that. else in like the you know, nineties going to the two thousands. 
I guess it's just really me taking an opportunity to diss Nikki Cat. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head, although like, or at least that none. I, I, like two days in the valley. I'm pretty sure there's like dumb hitman characters in that. Um, I never saw that. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. That was like, was that our first real Charlie's Theron? It might have been. Yeah, pretty close to the mm. original. Okay. Uh, there's always uh, things to do in Denver and you're dead. Buckwheats. Oh, God. That fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hate that. Oh, I you know who kind of stands out that just like fucking gr- made me grind my teeth was um, Johnny Depp's character. In, oh, yeah. Um, Once upon a time in Mexico. Once upon a time in Mexico. He was just so overdone. You know, like, this is the greatest carnitas I've ever tasted, and I'm going to go and kill the chef so no one can ever make it again or something. It was just so stupid. Why are you telling me this? You want me to kill the chef? No, no, mm-hmm. I'll kill him. I'm parked out back anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the only scene I've ever seen from that movie. Because that movie's... Not, whatever. It was pretty dumb, yeah. I mean, Hitman movies don't really appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just made me think... The of movie, movie Hitman, very bad. Oh, with Oliphant? Yeah, it's... it's like a video movie. game movie? Mm-hmm. The movie you just made me think of that is only kind of tangentially related that I haven't thought about in a long time is Life Less Ordinary. Oh, yeah. Although <laughs> I like, wouldn't exactly call them Hitman, but yeah. Well, Del Ryan Holly Hunter, like Hitman from God or something? Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, the easy way or the hard way. What's the hard way? I still make you dig your own grave, but I shoot you in the testicles first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. Mr. and Mrs. Smith also pretty stupid as far as Hitman goes. Mm. That movie looks bad. It was not great, yeah. Also, Bruce Willis and those whole nine yards movies, also bad. Oh, I love that you're mentioning all these movies that I haven't seen. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's not true. I might have seen, like I might have rented whole nine yards and just like zoned out through it mm-hmm. i definitely didn't see the whole 10 yards okay well uh are you watching anything else are we done with that category i think we're done with that category what are you listening to what am i listening to uh i found um an artist named helena delon that i was listening to a little bit she kind of sounds like uh like a super group comprised of like natasha khan and hope sandoval and like a little bit of pj harvey um, I listened to a little bit of the new Sufjan, a little the new Fleet Foxes, though that's not really totally my jam. Um, I don't know, I've been kind of all over the place. What about you? Uh, yeah, more of the same. Folklore at night when I go to sleep. Just listened to listen to the new Killers album, Imploding the Mirage. It was mm. fine, but I feel like it was missing something from their earlier work. Not quite, not quite the bombastic highs that some Killers albums can achieve. Like, well, I mean, I think the thing is, who gives a shit about them anymore? I don't know. I like the killers. But I mean, do they have it now or do you like the old killers? Well, this new album. Seems like they don't have it now. But I mean, it's one album, you know. Not ready to throw dirt on them just yet. Mm. Anyway, what are you reading? Uh, So I read, as I was talking about the last podcast, I read Piranesi in one day. It was great. And then I spent the last week reading One by One by Ruth Ware, which was. I would describe that book by saying, man, her last book was so much better. Hmm. Can I ask you a question? It seems, it seems yeah. like you read a lot of books. When do you read? Do you read at home or do you read at work? Uh, I don't really have time to read in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly at home. Okay. I mean, if I could if I could be in my office and blow off work and read, I, I would absolutely do it. 
Yeah, I have not touched the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes since last week. I mm. it's getting to the point where like I really just need to suck it up and read it, or else mm-hmm. I'm never gonna finish it. So do you ever not finish it? Finish a book? Usually if I'm like three quarters away done, I'm gonna finish it. Okay. If I'm not gonna finish a book, it's usually I don't make it through more than like, you know, the first quarter of the book. Okay. But yeah, typically I do like to finish books, although I never finished Purity and I was like two thirds of the way through that. Maybe I'll go mm. back and finish that. I mean, I was enjoying it. I, uh, okay. Controversial opinion. I, I do think that Jonathan Franzen's a good writer, even if he's a blowhard. Uh-oh. They're going to come after you now. I know. Twitter. Twitter's so mad that he's not on Twitter, and they can't hashtag. directly drag him on Twitter. And you're lucky, though, because hashtag cancel James Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck with that, assholes. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Little Women. Let's talk about a lot of women. Do you have an opening statement? Yeah, I I do. Let me take this for a walk. Um, okay. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I think what Greta Gerwig has done here is incredible. Um, I think as a writer and director, she's crafted a very enjoyable film. Um, especially if you have no concept of the source material. Have you read the book? No. Okay. Um, I read it as a kid, uh, so I'm a little fuzzy on some details, and you know, Wikipedia's filled in some of the rest. Um, but I think she's done a really fascinating work at adapting the story and like getting at certain things in a way that fans or people in touch with the themes will respect. Um, I really appreciate this as a, as a story about a family of artists, much more than I've seen it done in other works, like say like Royal Tenenbaums, um, which, you know, I, I still like that movie. Um, but you know, as far as the, the group of eccentrics, cause you know, Lori is basically Owen Wilson from Royal Tenenbaums. Um, I like the fact that we cut from, yeah, I like the fact that we cut from Best Funeral to Meg's Wedding in a way that clearly suggests the idea that marriage is death. Um, and I think that the framing device of the story she's managed to tell story is, is very true. The, the, the book that was published and the feelings of the author, her refusal to be tied down, I think collapsing Lucy May Alcant to Josephine March is clever. Because on one hand, Joe March is kind of the precursor of Nancy Drew, but also um, I think the movie starts to hint at the more than possible queer readings into the story and its author. Um, and you know, while it's not the highlight of the story, I think it's very honest about the Marmy role, um, that, you know, women were not only people of souls and ideas and drives, but like they could have very real, very palpable, very understandable maternal rage. It doesn't get talked about. Um, you know, and when I read the book as a kid, I think I liked Joe a lot. I think I hated Amy as a lot of people do. Um, I think everyone has the point where they look at that character and they're like, Oh, she's so childish, but it's like, she's 12, give her a break. But, um, I think Florence Pugh and Greta Berg have shown me that life is complicated. People are messy. Amy is the best. She has the most empowering lines from I'm not afraid of storms where I'm learning to sail my ship to I will be great or nothing to I have always been wise. You were just too busy noticing my faults. Um, anyways, I promise that your life will be better when you realize that Joe is not the hero of the story and Amy's not the villain and you celebrate the nuances. End rant. Okay. Sounds like you had a lot to unload there. I did. Thank you. Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, what I'd just say, what a delightful movie. Obviously, since I'm not a little woman myself, there's going to be things about that I just can't relate to in the mm-hmm. same way. But I have to say, I, I relate hard to Joe's writer character. Uh, it, it hurts. Uh, I love the way the story is structured with the two timelines commenting on each other. It never feels like a gimmick and it becomes a really excellent way of exploring character without feeling episodic uh, like it might have told chronologically. Uh, it also it really builds up to Beth's uh, death in this. 
which mm. it didn't seem like it did in the uh, the Minota Rider version, as far as I can recall. Um, have you seen that? Yeah, I have. Uh, okay. Instead of being just one more thing that happens in the story, like it's it's really like a, a big thing that happens. Um, I think the ending is just so so smart and how it gives you both the storybook romance ending and then the more kind of hard fought, shaky happiness that Joe feels to see her book published. Uh, so just I thoroughly enjoyed the movie and I think it's pretty much an instant classic that will be watched and loved for generations. Yeah, because um, Beth is basically a ghost <laughs> throughout this movie. Um, and I'd like to think that, uh, you know, her holding her book to her breast as she watches it get made, I'd like to think that that's the true ending. Um, it can be if you want it to be. Yeah, and it is. All right. Well, let's uh, talk moments. How many do you have? I have nine, but I can go to ten if you're nasty. Well, I have ten. Okay. So I win. <laughs> What's your number ten? Uh, my number 10 is when Meg says, let me have my fun tonight. I'll be desperately good for the rest of my life. I feel like that just really encapsulates Meg's character. Her character is like really depressing in a lot of ways. Just you see how, how tied down she is. Even though these are her dreams, they, they come at a hard cost for her. And Meg is always honest about who she is. And Joe, this, with all of her good qualities and her love for family. And this is just, I will not accept through Joe slander in this podcast. I'm going to let you know. But Joe I'm. never will accept Meg for who she is. Do you know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. in there in every scene. Like when they're leaving the double date from the theater and like, it's like clearly like Meg is enjoying the company of the ultra boring John Brooke. And like Joe's just like, let me just steal my sister away from you. Yeah, no boys allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, my number 10 moment is just exchange right here. Uh, there's something goofy sinister about it oh teddy you're the only one that calls me that teddy well what does amy call you my lord (laughs) (laughs) fucking timothy chalamet man you know i've really only seen him in two movies uh this and ladybird and he's just an absolute fuck boy in both of them so i just assume that that's who he is as a person and i don't think i'm wrong uh my number nine is uh when Frederick is just trashing Joe's work, it's so brutal. Like he's uh that is the very definition of casually cruel in the name of being honest there. Yeah. And he's just like, What? I thought you wanted me to be honest. And she's just like, well, yeah, but fuck. Yeah. I Sometimes mean, you don't want people to be that honest. Good on her for like being like his defining characteristic characteristic in the book is of so many things, is that he's old. I like that she's just like, let's go for young. And also, I'm going to cast a blatantly French actor as this German man. Uh, my number nine is um, this is a small moment here where like Marmy's volunteering to help out with the war effort, you know, make sure that like soldiers and their families get clothes, which I don't think I want to say the Civil War is like a deafening silence in the, the book. But one of the other volunteers is a black woman. And Laura Dern says something like, I need to be here because I grew up my whole life being ashamed of my country. And the other woman's like, no offense, but you should still be ashamed <laughs> of your country. It's like, man, that hits fucking hard. That's so yeah. true. <laughs> uh, where are we at? Number eight. Yeah. Uh, when Joe cuts off her hair to sell it and Amy says, you're one beauty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amy has all the best lines in this movie for the most part. I mean, Joe gets some good lines, but Amy has a lot of them. Yeah. Um, my number eight is just when Joe and Lori meet for the first time and they dance on the porch and like basically like crump. Um, good for them. 
All right. Uh, six or, or seven. seven. Yeah. Uh, when Mr. Lawrence is listening to Beth play and he's just kind mm. of having his moment there. I thought that was Steven Root for half the movie, but it's Chris Cooper, but it's still a nice scene. Uh, it would be hammier if it was Steven Root. And possibly more sinister. And rounder. It, well. Steven Root can do sinister, as we can. saw on the hit television program, Perry Mason. He can. Well, I mean, he's sinister in a lot of his ways. He's sinister even in like No Country for Old Men in a small role. But mm-hmm. Chris Cooper's can be sinister too. Yeah. American Beauty and, well, I'll get you, Peter Parker. But like, I don't uh, know, like a more personal, broken kind of rage than sinister, I guess I would describe Chris Cooper. Because, I mean, I always saw Chris Cooper to be a villain. And then the revelation for me was uh, adaptation. I thought he was incredible in that. But, yeah, my, that's my number seven as well. It's just when he just starts to be moved to tears by Beth's piano playing. And he's like, oh, that little ghost girl is so good. And she reminds mm-hmm. me of my dead daughter. Uh, my number six is when Amy is giving her apology for burning the manuscript. She says, it's just that the only thing you care about is your writing. So it's not as if I could hurt you by ruining one of your dresses. And I really did want to hurt you. I'm the most sorry for it now. I'm so sorry. She's delightful. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the casting of not just Florence Pugh, but like Emma from Sharp Objects is always young. So they, they can't do so much with that. But like, I feel like Florence Pugh I never really cared that she's like playing a 12 year old for half the movie. Well, I did not realize she was supposed to be the youngest. I thought for sure that Beth was supposed to be the oh, youngest. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it went Meg, Joe, Amy, Beth, but no, apparently it's the yeah. other way around. Well, cause and Beth is like Beth's qualities are like, she's good. She's got a ticking clock over her head mm-hmm. and I don't know if I put this. She seems a little simple at times. <laughs> I think she's just more introspective, I guess. Hmm. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number six is the small part of the Christmas morning flashback when uh, um, Meg is like, Marmy says that since there's a war and men are dying, we can make a sacrifice by not having presents. And then Joe just immediately hits her in the face of a pillow. <laughs> uh, where are we at here? Speaking of Amy in the past, when Amy says, I'm making a mold of my foot for Lori to remind him of my feet. Yeah. Uh, which I think she mentions earlier that she has very small feet and that she wouldn't get hurt dancing like Meg would. But um, I would never sprain my ankle because I have lovely small ankles. I had the smallest yeah. in the whole family. Yeah. yeah. Who knew that Lori had a foot fetish? When you look at Chalamet, it makes sense, right? I, like, I'm just trying to picture him being like, oh, God, feet, you know. I, thanks to the internet, I had a look at those disgusting photos of him like making out with uh, Johnny Depp's daughter. I could see him like, huh? well, because they were like kissing like in that uh, SNL skit where like uh, Andrew Scott and Emma Stone don't know how to kiss. And they're just like mm. big open mouths, like okay. like licking each other's faces. Are they dating or something? Uh, Chalamet and Lily Rose Depp, they yeah. were. Okay. Well, I mean, they were sucking intense amounts of face mm. on the yacht, wow. so I assume. But I could see like that being like a foot shoving his face and him just going Tarantino on it. Okay. Uh, my number five. The look on Amy's face as she waits for Joe to come home from the theater and discover that her pages are missing. Oh, I love Amy. <laughs> I'm shocked that you don't love Amy more. I honestly am. I'm not saying I dislike Amy. I just, like I said, I will not have any Joe slander. Uh, well, you can get some. Mm-hmm. My uh, number four, right? Yep. Uh, the scene where Beth is saying that she isn't afraid to die. She says it's like the tide going out. It goes out slowly, but it can't be stopped. There's just a really incredible shot here with I don't know if it's like mist or just like the dust from the sand, like flowing away from them on the beach. It's mm-hmm. just a, a really cool 
visual comparison to what they're talking about. Mm. And the match cut from like the brighter sunny days of the previous day at the beach. Mm. I love just this idea that like you've got this uh, disease, what you need is some fresh air. I mean, it was the 1860s, I guess. Yeah. Um, my number four moment is just this little exchange. Of course, uh, Joe says, when I get in a passion, I get so savage. I could hurt anyone and I enjoyed it. And Laura turns like, you remind me of myself. And Joe says, but you're never angry. And Laura turns says, I'm angry nearly every day of my life. That's her secret, Joe. She's always angry. <laughs> Have you seen the sad sack of shit that I married? Do you think she's angry about that? I think she's angry about her entire life. I don't know. There's a whole lot of, in this movie, these characters just like, I'm going to eat shit, and uh, it's for the the greater good, or I'm doing a good thing, but man, this sucks, basically. Yeah. All right, number three. uh, This exchange, this was in the trailer, but Amy says, well, I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. And Lori says... I think the poets might disagree. What a fuck boy line. Just like what a, what a mega fuck boy line that is, but it's a good line. Mm. Um, my number three is a moment that will only be on my list because I scream laughed in the theater at this, but when Laurie is being utterly an unsuffer, insufferable ass during his Latin lesson. Yeah. Well, during his Latin lesson and he sees Amy crying outside and he opens the window and he says, <laughs> hello there. Are you hurt? And she says, I'm Amy. Yeah. <laughs> and I I just scream bellowed. Okay. <laughs> what did your theater think about that? Uh well, I had a I was I was in a row that was all families, except mm. the family to my left, it was like the mom, two daughters, and a little boy, and they were all enjoying the movie. And then like the mom brought her own like fuck boy boyfriend, clearly not the father of the kids, who was just like arms folded, like, why did I get dragged to this? And it's like, dude. You're being such a petulant shit. I'm like, just wait in the lobby. Anyway. Interesting. All right. Uh, my number two, when Amy calls out Lori for showing, uh, only showing interest in her now, that, you know, moment when she says, I have been second to Joe my whole life and everything, and I will not be the person you settle for because you cannot have her. I won't, I won't do it. I won't not have spent, uh, not when I have spent my whole life lo- and my entire life loving you. Hmm. Uh, good i mean they've got some good monologues between the two of them yes they do uh so speaking of which my number two is kind of a tie because i believe there are five amy and laurie scenes in paris um and three of them i i would throw in my number two like including the big new year's eve dance which looks totally boring and laurie shows up just like slutting it up and she's just like oh you son of a bitch i feel Um, i've been caught or i feel caught something like that she's like do you want to know what I honestly think of you? And he's like, what do you honestly think of me? And she's like, I despise you. Um, she's so savage to him. Um, you know, every chance he has to be good, happy and useful. He's instead lazy, like faulty and miserable. Um, and then of course she, she drops a great line. I'd be respected if I couldn't be loved, but also, you know, the, the scene you mentioned where he visits her in the studio um, is great. I and mean, she's like, yeah, in this society, fuck you. Marriage is an economic proposition. But of course also the other one you mentioned when she's like, She's like doing this incredibly sweet thing where she's like drawing him and she shows him that not only has she drawn him like years ago at the beach, she's brought this with her to Paris and still he's just kind of like throwing her feelings in her face in a way that just feels so hollow to her. I don't know if I'd say he's throwing them in her face so much as like, well, it's just tacky for for him to be like 
say, maybe you shouldn't marry this guy. Maybe I'm interested now. And she's just like, fuck you. Yeah, I, I, but I think to her, it feels mm-hmm. hollow. Um, although I will say, like, he's really good at being this uh, mercurial fuckboy because I do kind of chuckle at the thing where, like, he walks away from her at the dance and he's like, flings his uh, yeah. his thing. He's like, Fred Vaughn! <laughs> I, I, I wonder if we have the same number one. We probably do, I suppose. Probably. Uh, Joe's speech uh, women, they have minds and they have souls as well as. Oh, hearts. no, we don't. Uh, they've got ambition. They've got talent as well as beauty. I'm so sick of people saying that love is just all a woman is fit for. Uh, and then I think really the the cap on the end that makes it for me is when she kind of confesses and says, but I'm so I'm so lonely. Yeah, because I, I think the first part of that is a great trailer moment. Very inspirational. But the the meat of it only comes when she admits how lonely she is. It's it's hard to live up to your ideals. It reminds me a lot of like my favorite scene from uh, I think it's broadcast news where Holly Hunter finally gets to talk to the network head and like tell him you know what they're doing wrong, and he just like looks at her and he's like, "It must be so wonderful for you just being smarter than all the rest of us." And she just like sits down and slumps down. And she's like, "No, it's <laughs> awful." I uh, know my number my number one moment is is just the ending where she negotiates to keep her copyright and then mm. gets to watch her book physically come to life for the first time. All right. So you have seen the Winona Ryder version? I, I have not. You have actually. not? Okay. I went and watched on YouTube um, the, it's like a picnic in this version, that scene in the 94 version. Because I was like, oh yeah, Christian Bale in that era of him being Christian Bale. And it's like Samantha Mathis is older Amy. And Christian Bale comes off like a straight psychopath in that scene to me. Is he the Laurie in that movie? Yeah, he's Laurie. Okay, that makes sense. So I saw that movie... I, I was movie hopping with both my sisters. I believe I believe this was the lineup we saw. We saw four movies that day, which is wow, kind of nuts. Cool. Uh, we saw Street Fighter. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. Don't fact check me on this. I might be confusing days. But I'm pretty sure we saw Street Fighter, Little Women, um, Dragonheart, Whoa. I think. Do you remember the like I, Dennis Sean Connery? Sean Connery, yeah. yeah. And um, oh, what was the last one? Is gonna oh I think it was like Star Trek Generations maybe okay if if those are all in theater at the same time I think it was something like that yeah wild mm-hmm. wild but obviously like my sisters wanted to see Little Women and so it's like well I'm I, you know I'm seeing Street Fighter so I have to see Little Women so for your sisters this was the important day in which they finally got to see their generation's adaptation of Little Women and for mm-hmm. you it was just a Tuesday exactly <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, interesting book. Considering the first half, Little Women is like, good. I mean, the whole book is, I think, when I remember being overwritten, but like, you can tell that like Louisa May Alcott checks out in the second half, which is called Good Wives. <laughs> so the, the movie, as far as I recall, was more chronological. I don't think it was written the way this one was, where it's yeah, like, like, like the book. Forth. Yeah. 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 I mean, in this book, the only, the biggest thing I think with that and this um, is that, again, you just, I don't know, man, you can't connect with Beth at all. Like You just know she's going to die. She's got some sweet moments and she's she's fine in it. But it's like this story has three protagonists and not four. <laughs> uh, I've had right. a lot of troubles, so I write jolly tales. Well, let's get into our general discussion here. Yes, that quote is uh, right at the title card there. So the title didn't. Has, hasn't bothered you like in a modern context little women yeah what do you mean 
Well, because like I, I know that some people are confused by it. like uh, I mean, essentially teenagers. Like are they like, like? I'm gonna say something mean. I won't say it. But why? Small why people. Would, <laughs> small people. Why would you be confused by it? I don't know. Well, because again, the term teenager is really more of an invention of the 20th century. Mm. Like back in this time period, like little in the Charles Dickens sense used to mean that that period between upper childhood and adulthood. Mm. Um, though I think they throw that out in the sequel, Little Men. Anyway. I just um, know that the book ends with uh, the the line, they were no longer little girls, they were little women. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Joe starts off by selling her story, uh, her friend's story, to uh, Mr. Carrie Coon, Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts having a lot of fun here. Yeah, he is. And he's just like, yeah, your friend. <laughs> the, I almost put this in my top moments, just the way he's reading it and like, you're not sure if these are jump cuts or if he's just reading that fast. He's just like yeah. slapping pages down, like draws a big old line over one of them. Like, like one it's when page. he, when he like kind of wets this, his quill and leans back and she just has this look like, ah, like, what are you doing? If, if I, if I went to like 12 moments of top moments, it would be the interaction between him and his wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never ask uh, about my mother. <laughs> I don't know why you do. I clearly don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's like, oh, he's showing enough interest to make some notes. But at the same time, he just seems so, I don't know, unfeeling about it and brutish. <laughs> he's just like going to slash yeah. up your work there with his pen. Well, later, as we'll see, uh, I think Jenny Nicholson made this joke. Uh, the classic uh, thing in editing where you just switch two pages. Um, but yeah, she's like, I even had a few of my sinners repent. So I like it's just, you know, we've just been through a war. We don't want to preach that. Or also, we pay 25 to 30 for things of this sort. We'll pay, pay 20, 20 for this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, he says, you know, if you give me another one, make it short and spicy. Yeah. Make sure the girl get, gets married at the end. Yeah. Or dead. Yeah, or dead. Yeah, I have that written down. <laughs> make sure the girl's married at the end or dead. And she's like, what? Uh, but obviously uh, but she's mean, she's super happy to make the sale. She says she's sold to other places, but although it seems like she has not. I think she's it, sold back in her hometown. Maybe that's what it was, yeah. Because she's this obviously is a much bigger deal than anything she's done in the past. Um I mean again, you could argue if you wanted to that the rest of this movie from almost this point on is like the novel she writes. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, know. much as much as the novel itself is very, you know, autobiographical to its author who who hated it um but I, I like just the cover of the book as the title card i think that's pretty cool yeah with the kind of odd typesetting too yeah um so in the back of the boarding house joe is so fucking obsessed with her writing that she's just standing by the fireplace as her skirt catches on fire carrying a cat when she comes in nice kitty boarding houses do they have those anymore or uh, you don't as you a, don't want to go there as a society i guess we just don't do that didn't we have a friend whose now deceased grandmother ran a boarding house i have no idea what's a halfway house that is more is that like, like parolees like yeah like that kind of thing okay mm-hmm. <laughs> you're halfway to recidivism i don't know I, I guess we just churn out prisoners our culture doesn't fit with the, the concept of a boarding house i guess yeah so she has to go teach some kids, make that paper, stack that cheddar. Uh, money is the means and the ends of my mercenary existence. Uh, she mentions that her sister's in Paris, and until she marries someone filthy rich, Joe has to make the family afloat, which is rough because 
fucking Bob Odenkirk is back from the war at this point, pissing away their money again. You're just really down on Mr. March there. What did he do to you? I I don't know. I mean, on one hand, I will argue he's that Bob just Odenkirk fighting is fighting for the union. He's probably perfect casting for this like basically deadbeat dad. But like wow, he's he is a soldier in the military. It's not like he just left for fun. So I don't know if the movie conveys it, but like the family used to be quite well off. I mean, look at the house. Mm-hmm. Look at their living servant. And like the money was all pissed away by Bob Odenkirk's character, mm-hmm. by Papa okay. March. Um, but I don't know. Like in the when I was in the theater watching this movie, and I didn't know who was playing the dad, and then Bob Odenkirk walks in, and I was like, seriously, really? What were you expecting? I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Sounds I, like you got I a lot did, of baggage with the. Uh father march here i wanted to be david cross no i'm kidding um uh, i don't know like i it just it for some reason it felt wrong to me even though it's probably right um so then we meet amy in the immaculate florence pew um also amy's paintings are incredible right i mean i think what we're supposed to get here is that the other person's doing this very impressionistic work yeah yeah she's and much more realistic hers is, is yeah more classical it's i think hers is better personally but i guess like yeah. in the style of the time the other person probably would have been regarded better yeah she's just like she looks at her own work and she's just like oh this is dog shit and like later when we're in her studio i'm like these are all fucking great yeah god damn it i mean i guess was monet getting popular around this time maybe or you know when i don't know i always was. get I always get Monet and Manet confused. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah well, so, not maybe not quite yet. I mean, this is like 1870. Monet is born in 1840, so I don't know if he would have been that popular yet, but kind of probably getting there. Mm. So she's in character of Aunt March, um, classic American who came to Paris to talk, talk trash about the local French girls. Oh, Meryl. Um, Meryl's interesting in this role. She has lots of good lines, but she feels less like a character than an archetype. Yeah. She's just well, I mean, this like is like crabby old aunt. This is a woman who's just basically she knows that the whole family is just waiting for her to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they get an heir and her money. Um, so. So I, is, I, I, is Father March her son? No, it's her, her, her uh, brother. Sisters, her brother. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which what I like is that she feels for margaret senior there um because she even makes you know she's making her comments about like you know your father pissed away all the money mm-hmm. um and i think she she gets marmy's like silent rage um i don't know i guess marmy like every chance she gets she's giving shit away so i don't know if she'd feel that bad about not having money i i don't think i don't think the fact that she wishes she had more money stops her from being a good person and noticing that other people need things more than her mm. um yeah so you know uh beth is sick amy wants to go back and everyone tells her to stay because her aunt's like not until you're properly engaged and amy's like also all of these like fucking painting lessons yeah that, her, that's her more home. what she's interested in um i mean i don't know the whole society here this is kind of something you get a little bit of in like pride and prejudice just the idea that like well it's time for you to go be a nice lady and kind of on display to get a husband. But I think the difference that's all you're going to be able to do in life. Yeah. I mean, I think that the slight difference between like the American and the English version of this is uh, like the landed gentry who've like lost their money. Don't yeah. necessarily lose their status. So like, it's still acceptable that like one of these girls might marry a Fred Vaughn. 
Oh, I want to say in the novel, he's like obsessed with his twin brother, Frank Vaughn. Anyway, mm. so Amy runs into her, lo- her local hometown fuckboy, Laurie, who's just drinking and whoring his way through Europe. And I don't know, not entirely causing a scene, but I feel like she's being very American here. The way she yeah. just like jumps out and runs over like everyone else is very proper and she's just like screaming and, you know, giving them a big old hug, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, and because like my understanding, one of the things I do remember from the books, I want to say they said that all the Americans in, in Paris only hang out with the Americans. Mm-hmm. And so Amy invites Laurie to the New Year's Eve party and she's super excited and Aunt March is like, fuck this guy. He grew up in Europe, so he's very familiar with the place. That's apparently. capital. Yeah. Yeah. Capital. Uh, meanwhile, Meg is out shopping for fabric fabric of her friend, just like lusting up over some like lime green fabric. Is it lime green? Uh, I don't know if lime is quite the, the uh, verb or the adjective I'd use for that. But later on, she's just like, son of a bitch. I spent 50 bucks on just the fabric. Um, Those are apparently Meg's colors in this movie, though, are violet and green. So Meg was supposed to be Emma Stone, mm-hmm. who had to drop out to do the favorite. Um, and how sad is it? This is terrible. I, I don't think this role is good enough for Emma Stone, but I think Emma Watson's perfect in it. I don't think Emma Stone fits the role. I think this is more in Emma Watson's wheelhouse. It's it's somewhat of a thankless role because she's kind of the traditional one. She mm-hmm. doesn't get the amazing zingers and, and lines and speeches in the same way that uh, Joe and Amy do. She's yeah. just kind of living this life of quiet desperation, married to a penniless loser. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, it, uh, it doesn't. This doesn't feel like an Emma Stone role to me at all. No, Emma Stone would have been Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or Amy. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. I, I wonder. I wonder. Um, but yeah, this is, you can tell why uh, the mayor from Sunnydale, like why Meg is his favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let me see Beth playing the piano. We have a nice transition from her, like having finished her piano songs, like this, like applause on the soundtrack, like uh, uh, when Joe's at the play. The French guy's there and he's like smiling as he watches her. I don't know how he picks her out up in the nosebleed section. Are we to understand that maybe he's like more well off to be down there? I don't think he's supposed to be, though. I mean, I mean he's, he's got man. way better seats. True, true. I like to think that uh, Joe's snuck in. I can see that. Yeah. Like, I like to think that Joe's New York life is like, uh, oh, here's the bill for the meal I just ate. I am going to do a runner. <laughs> yeah. So she kind of follows this guy to like a pub where he, she sees him talking with a bunch of dudes and. Uh, they're all just dancing around and they all know how to jigging. Yeah. Do a jig here. Cause this, they had no, this was their entertainment was like plays and drinking and dancing. Also, you'll notice now that all forms of American dance in this movie include running around in circles, mm-hmm. kicking and spinning and twirling <laughs> all dance. Uh, so we get some slow-mo that lets us know that Joe is just like vibing with this dude, which I never really felt, but cool. Of course I never liked this character, but cool. Okay. Uh, so seven years later or earlier, um, Joe's like doing Meg's hair. So, you know, like a fancy party. I don't think this is quite a dead party. Obviously the other party is a dead party. This is just like a, a debutante party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she Joe's like takes trying to off a chunk of her hair with that curling iron. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even know. So Meg and Joe at the party and Meg's like trying to give Joe an input up on what not to say. And all these fine high society dudes. Um, and then one of the things that Meg warns, don't say capital. (laughs) Like one of the things that that Meg warns her sister against doing whistling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Joe 
Joe uh, watches more of this fine dancing, which again is moving around in circles and twirling. Um, and then the it, one dude starts like following her. It was strange to watch this, just thinking about how weird our our modern life has become compared to this. Like the, their entertainment options versus what we have. Like none of these people have to like go on Twitter, and I think they're probably better for it, just as human beings. <laughs> I don't think Meg would survive. Meg, no, Meg. Meg would get buried under an avalanche of like bullshit Facebook memes. Mm-hmm. Meg would be like, why are we like finding 40 kids that have been trafficked in a trailer in Georgia? And that's not the number one news story. Or who cares if this woman's uh, religion inspired the handmaid's tale? Uh, yeah. Th- this one dude is like waving at Joe and kind of making a move. Like he wants to come talk to her. So she's just like, zoink, I'm out of here. Ducks into back room and runs right into Lori here. Theodore Lawrence. Is this his house or no, is he no, just no. here? Yeah, this is just yeah. his, this is his party. I don't know even know what he's doing at this party. Like the guy who ships at the party just to sit in the other room. I mean, I guess he's expected to go, but he's yeah. like a little too cool for school. He's way too cool for school. He's uh I mean, isn't he doing this? Isn't how she meets him in um in Ladybird? Isn't he like by the pool reading? I think he's literally economics? too cool for school, yeah. Yeah. I was on top. Who the fuck else was on top their first time? So she mentions that her father's off fighting the Union Army. Um, he asked her to dance. And I, I just like the the endearingness of like, oh, I can't. I burned my dress. My sister told me to stand still. See? Look. There. Yeah. She's, like, she can't wait okay. to show him. Yeah. Uh, so they go on the front porch and they kind of dance on the porch like spazzes. Um, like kind of glancing through windows as they pass them and then like doing crazy movements. Some nice little kind of dolly shots here moving yeah. down the, the arcade outside. Yeah. Lori breaks out some serious twirling. Um, and then Meg hurts her foot, and Lori gives him a ride home in his carriage. What are you doing, Meg? Hurt your foot? I I wonder if that's like a euphemism for like some of these these bros are a little handsy or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so he comes in. The parlance in, of our times, I hurt my foot. Yeah. Yeah. So like he comes into the house as they get home and it's like the usual circus and their mom is the incandescent uh, Laura Dern. And, and Lori's like, well, aren't you a bunch of little women? It's a good acting job of him kind of portraying this idea of like, oh, I am in a sphere that I don't really fit into. But I will be obsessed with for the mm-hmm. next 20 years of my life. Yeah. yeah. Amy, the 13 year old, is looking at him like she's going to climb this man child like he's a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, All so five feet, leaves, 10 inches of him. Yeah, um, that's my thing of with Timothy Chalamet. He just he's too tall uh, for you. No, <laughs> how, how old is he? Or how tall is he? Uh, apparently, it's five foot ten according to Wikipedia. He's taller than some people I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as Lori leaves, he looks back and sees that Joe is up in her room, just like furiously writing, writing longhand. Yeah, she's always going back to uh, update her notes whenever she thinks of something. Well, like later when she's doing the play and she has like sides for everybody, I just thought like, fuck, that's like just copying the same thing over like four more times. Yeah, I was there. Well, yeah. I mean, all the writing then just was get a fucking pen and some paper and start over every single time you need to make an update. But yeah, I mean, so, this was like their entertainment. It was like, I'll write a play and we'll perform it. And that's yeah. that's what we do for fun. <laughs> or listen uh, to Beth play music. Yeah. Um, or just dream of like what a great actress we think uh, Meg is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, cut to to now we're we're, we're match cut down. Like Joe's like furiously writing still. It's a knock on her door. 
Um, the French German guy has got her three big volumes of the works of Shakespeare. Um, let's her note about how horny is the reader writing, which will be a mistake. Um, yeah, he's, he's apparently not that horny because, or I don't know. I feel like he's just like, I'm, I'm doing this for your own good. I'm like, I don't know. It's like, he's trying to steer her away from like genre fair or something, you know, like it's not constructive. Yeah. It's what I mean. Also just to be like, he's not even saying like, Oh, it's like poorly written or whatever. that. He's just like, it has no morals. So and she's mm-hmm. like, fuck you. I'm, I'm, I'm getting paid. Um, so meanwhile in Paris, um, Amy's at that New Year's Eve dance, which looks boring. Um, and there's, like I said, Lori, uh, who stood her up. Yeah. And then for he, an hour when she finds him with those, you know, two floozies, he's just like, I feel caught. <laughs> he's just like, remember when Christian Bale did this in the dark night? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I love, do you want to know what I honestly think of you? Or what do you honestly think of me? I despise you. Um, and this, I feel sorry for you. I really do. I just wish you'd bear it better. And he's like, you don't have to feel sorry for me, Amy. You'd feel the same one day. And he, she's just like, no, I'd be respected. Be respected if it couldn't be loved. Yeah. Burn. Fucking face, Lori. Um, and then Fred Vaughn, who's just like stepped on by Lori every chance he can be. Fucking Fred who's, Vaughn. Who's he's a snooze. I, I don't know why like Fred Vaughn doesn't freak out when he goes to pick up Amy later and Lori's clearly been making time with her. I mean, maybe they just didn't think about things the same way back then as we would now. Yeah. It's just like I have more money and therefore I'm, you know, uncaring about it. Yeah. Um, Amy will want to marry me for my wealth and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Back in New York, uh, Frederick is reading Joe's stories and she's like, oh, I'm also working on a, on a novel. And he's just like, will it be like this? Yeah. Uh, which hey her stories feature jewels and killing um and then he's like, he's like he's like you know i don't like them honestly i think they're just not not good and she's like fuck you i'm published mm-hmm. people say i'm talented <laughs> who made you the fucking god of writing yeah so she's i think very understandably as a sensitive person as a creative person who's like not used to sharing her work with strangers she's like upset about his reaction and he actually says to her does anyone take you seriously well, I think you fuck you. He's really coming at this as like I'm just going to give you the most honest opinion possible and like just like my professional opinion type of thing. When yeah. I think it, it hurts her feelings more that he's so dismissive. Like he, he's just like not giving her any credit at all because no. it's, it's it's almost like a rejection of her personality for him to just be like, you know, there's no moral here. I don't care about it. Because that's that is writing is her personality. Mm-hmm. That's who she is as a person. Uh, yeah. Um, and in the whole time it's just like, Oh, you asked for my opinion. You know, I don't know why well, he's mad. the 2020 version or, or, you know, modern day version of this guy is he's the guy who just says, I'm just saying a lot. <laughs> um, so she flat well, out. She says, I'm, I'm no Shakespeare. And he goes, thank goodness. We already have one. Yeah. Oh, and then like, he's just so like laissez faire, but you know, when she tries to like, you know, get back at him and she's just like, well, you're not a writer. You're not a very good writer. And he's just like, yeah, no one said I was, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I, I'm totally fine with that. So she flat out tells it to you, like, you know, we're not friends. I don't want your opinion. I don't, don't, don't talk to me anymore. Um, and she goes, then the next time we see her, she's getting the uh, telegram that uh, Beth is taking a turn for the worse. So she pieces right out of there and leaves this guy wondering, hmm, was it something I said? <laughs> yes. 
Uh, little column A, little column B. Mm-hmm. So flashback to like Joe wakes up in her attic. It's Christmas. Um, she's fallen asleep writing her revenge play. It still has it in her hand. Go goes downstairs. Uh, they have no presents. And Meg says rather plainly, "It's so dreadful being poor." <laughs> uh, and Meg's like, "I wish I had heaps of money and plenty of servants." As they have like their one poor servant like slaving over their breakfast. Um. You know, Amy has lots of wishes. She wants to be an artist in Paris. Beth's wish to not die. <laughs> Beth won't get that wish. Um, this has been like, you know, Meg, it's just like Marnie says, since there's a war and men are dying, we can make a sacrifice by not having presents. I just love that Joe hits her right in the face of the pillow. <laughs> so the girls start wrestling, and Joe wants them to rehearse their revenge play. Um, she's been outside for all of them, including Hannah, the housekeeper. I kind of would love to see this story from Hannah's perspective. These girls seem like wild, crazy people. Yeah. Um, so Marmee comes home to them rehearsing, and Lord Lord Dern's just like, "Well, there's this poor sick family not far from her. Kids are all sleeping in one bed to stay warm, and, and these girls are on the verge of eating this breakfast." And she's mm-hmm. just like, "What do you say we just give up our breakfast for these girls, huh?" And they're just like, "You can tell that none of them want to, but they kind of have to." So they're like, "Fine, we're gonna do a good thing." Also, I kind of wonder, like, was taking Beth anywhere near these people a smart idea? I don't think. Well, they don't know yet that, that like, there's, you know, scarlet fever there. So okay. I, I don't think Beth is supposed to be, like, given to illness or something. I think it's just the fact that she gets it. Like, I think scarlet fever is something that's, like, worse when you're young, maybe. I can't well, remember. It's either worse Joe when you're and young or worse had it. Yeah. One of the two. It's, it was one of those illnesses where depending on when you have it, it's like either a big deal or not a big deal. Hmm. So meanwhile, as they leave across the street, Chris Cooper's there with the tutor and Lori is just staring out at Joe's house like a fucking psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, so blah, blah, blah. The March girls take the food over the sick family with like blankets and sweaters. And, and we're kind of learning right? about uh, John Brooke here. He seems to have been hired to tutor his grandson, Mr. Lawrence's grandson. Perhaps he can tutor him in manners as well. So the women have a grand time. Uh, they come home. There's now like a shit ton of food on their table and they're surprised. And one of them actually says, is it fairies? Yeah. Yeah, this is quite a spread they have here. Yeah. So and they, they are given to know that this must have come from that massive mansion like across the way. Yeah. I'd love to food know came- how Mr. Lawrence makes money or has money like some characters they're just like we have money and it's like where did it come from how much do you spend i mean isn't the isn't like the unspoken thing in like pride and prejudice and emma isn't it like yeah we basically make our money from the slave trade like i don't know no that would have been too late um it, it would have been more probably just like from the the local like sharecroppers I think, mm-hmm. you know, like the farmers who work the land and have to pay rents. I assume it's something like that. So, I mean, we're kind of set up to think that this is going to be like mean old Mr. Lawrence who like disowned his son for running off of an Italian lady. But like he's never anything other yeah. than just like painfully nice to these kids. I think it's Joe here has a line. Uh, one of them wants to make friends. I think it's maybe Amy and Joe says, boys scare me. <laughs> that big old house scares me. <laughs> so um later the march girls put on a play for the local kids called the witch's curse awesome um and then you know now we were with joe she wakes up on the train having forgotten to get off at her stop oh uh, real quick one, when on, on christmas there when uh laura during the mother is gonna like read the the letter 
from mm-hmm. dad. I kind of wonder, did she pre-read it? Because it kind of seems like she's reading it for the first time. I I just want to like screen that in advance just to make sure. It's not just like I lost a leg today or something. You know? <laughs> Do you ever see some of the more gruesome battle scenes in glory? Mm-hmm. It's like that, kids. <laughs> Someone else is writing this for me because I have no hands anymore. Um, there's a nice little like uh, bit where like uh, Joe now is like walking through town and kind of flashes back to the girls back in the happier times walking through town together. Um, yeah, some of like, them essentially have jobs already, right? Like they're just like teachers. Yeah. Well, uh, I think Meg is a governess, and Joe, okay. Joe's like homeschooling Beth because she's just too fragile to go to school or whatever. And then obviously later she'll homeschool. Um, I wonder if it's Amy. that or if it's like that she's already aged out of the school that Amy would be going Amy. to. Yeah, I don't know. She's only a year older. <laughs> Although I do believe them when they say that the schools for women are trash. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, but uh, Drawing blood on Amy there. Yeah. At the Ant's Giant House, like Joe's there like reading a book when Meryl's a good snooze. Because um, I guess Aunt March just employs Josephine to like read to her. Mm-hmm. And she's mad that Joe stopped reading and went into another room and was reading instead. Yeah. And gives her uh, gives her a little lecture on how you're going to need some money. Well, she's got a little grudge to unleash. Um, mm-hmm. Joe needs to marry well, you know, because as a woman, the only other ways that she can make money are to run, run a cat house or be on stage. Practically the same thing. <laughs> um, and March is mad that Joe's dad's an idiot in her eyes. And like Laura Dern's clearly miserable, which is probably true. Um, and Aunt March wants to go to Europe once more. She offers, like, she dangles, really, I think, more of this companion job to Joe who accepts. So, you know, get your ass back to reading Joe. Yeah, basically, um, if you want to go to Paris with me, you're going to have to kiss my ass a little more. Yeah. So, I think Florence Pugh in school is, like, doing that thing that, that you know, if you have a skill and you can use it for scathing regard of your classmates, other kids fucking love that. So, she well, does basically, well, like, well, boardwalk this, caricatures. There is this whole weird conversation where, like, she the like the the coin of the realm at school is like pickled limes. And yeah. she's like, I need more limes, I'm in debt or something like that. And so <laughs> and so Meg being the uh the kind of the nice put upon one is like here have some money so you can afford yeah. some limes. And, and then she's there's a mention of the drawings that none of them understand, and now we see what the drawings is about. She's like during these drawing these caricatures of people for extra clout and and limes, I guess. I mean basically they're, they're like boardwalk caricatures. And that's really what happened is that uh, uh, Amy came up short or a lime dealer mm-hmm. <laughs> had to pay. Well, Get some citrus in that wound. The rest of these bitches couldn't even give her a heads up when the teacher's coming over. Come on. Seriously. Come on. Yeah. Like, I, I hope she's just like, I hope you all illiterate mm-hmm. die of scarlet fever. So Amy gets caught, caught of course. Um, this is when Lori is being insufferable in his like Latin lesson. He's just like standing on a chair. Yeah. So he sees Amy outside again. Hello there. Are you hurt? I'm Amy. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny. Never to sprain my ankle. I have some lovely small feet. The best in the family. Yeah. Uh, so Amy can't go home because she's in so much trouble. That's so, pretty like, nasty. I mean, like her hands, like all bloody. Yeah. It's. I mean, you know, like in our, in our, well, at least in, I don't know about your parents. Your parents, my parents probably about the same age, right? Yeah. Anyway, like. Art in their times, like they were still getting paddled in school and shit, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I went to like a private school, like in kindergarten only, and I think they oh, would spank boy. you. 
at that school. Um, never happened to me, but I think that was like on the table. So, hmm. although I don't even, is that even legal anymore? Who knows? I would hope not. Also, who the hell wants to touch children like that? Yeah. Yeah. So Amy's like, um, chilling later in the, the massive library in Lori's house, which is wasted. Um, when the rest of the little women coming over and Joe's enamored of all the books. Is this Lori's, the part where Joe's just like, I'm taking this? Yeah. Cause Lori stares at her like he is teenage Anakin Skywalker seeing Senator Padme Amidala for the first time. But he's, he's seen her before. They met but the I mean, I'm just saying the, the level of creep in that stare. Mm. He's just like, hello, Josephine. Growing so more Chris beautiful Cooper that showed, is. Yeah. Um, Jar Jar, she doesn't even remember me. <laughs> I'm trying to think who's the Jar Jar in all this. Um, Beth? Beth, yeah. I have, I have kind of ended a, a situation with a, a young woman because she mentioned that Beth was her favorite. Wow, okay. I mean, it wasn't the only reason, but it was indicative mm. of a lot of mm. problems. I'm very Lori of you. I mean, the clash in our, uh, in our, in our personalities was just never going to be healed. Mm-hmm. So... Chris Cooper shows up and he's like, "Sup? I'm not so much of a curmudgeon after all. And Beth, you should come over and play the piano anytime. And like the tutor is just like, move over, Lori. I've got it the worst of anyone for Meg. <laughs> I found her glove. I'm going to keep it and smell it every night. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I, I wanted to like later on when like uh, uh, Lori's just like, hey, Joe, guess who? Guess who's like God Meg's glove. And she's like, oh, my God, give it back to Meg. And he's like, she doesn't want it back. Trust me. It's just- <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want it back. <laughs> So Amy doesn't have to go back to that. They haven't invented more. a washing machines yet. So yeah, you yeah. don't want that back. Yeah. Um, the guy who plays the tutor though, is actually going to be in the nevers. Are we sure that show's coming out? So here's the description of his character. According to Wikipedia. I just thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. James Norton is Hugo Swan, a pansexual aristocratic young man who owns a private club and specializes in extortion. Hmm. Okay. Had they filmed that? <laughs> If, if they filmed it supposedly I, suppo- it'll probably come out just because they need content but like if that hasn't been filmed yet it wouldn't shock me if uh, we're never seeing it i mean how can you like how can you downplay joss whedon the hardest mm-hmm. to like then make it a viable property i'm just gonna bury it on hbo max um so anyway like amy will now be homeschooled by joe just like beth i guess again too timid for school because they're like yeah so, it turns out that guy just beats his students so yeah for I mean, like, not even a, an appreciation of the artistic merit of her Mm-mm. boardwalk sketch. So now Joe gets home before she goes inside. She stops at the, the in, private in the, the future, present day, or whatever. Yeah, this is um, coming home to to visit Beth, who's taking a turn. And there's this mailbox she has a special key for with a red uh, ribbon on it. There's nothing in there, or no, she doesn't open that, it yet. I don't think. I think she does, and there's nothing in it. Because I'm looking at it right be, now. She doesn't at least open it yet before it flashes back to their this weird club that they have where they all pretend to be uh, like old British men. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it makes sense because Laurie's been in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they're putting on like a... I don't know if it was like one of their plays in the attic, but they have their, their club. Uh, there's a cute moment where Beth and Amy clink pipes. Yeah, um, and uh, Emma Watson and uh, uh, what's-her-face, uh, Florence Pugh are using the real accents, which is kind of funny because mm-hmm. they're they're... Pretending to be British, but just using their normal British accents. Yeah. It is oh funny that God, it's I... a book about four American women. Uh, Sor- Sorsha is the closest to an American because she's born here, but she grew up in Ireland. So <laughs> none of them have I, American accents. I watched an interview with uh, Emma Florence and Sersha, mm-hmm. 
That is a quite a cavalcade of accents mm. bouncing off of each that, other. That sounds delightful. <laughs> that could be your new ASMR. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Joe suggests that Lori join the club, and Amy's like, absolutely not. He's a real boy. But eventually they approve him, and he like jumps out of the wardrobe where he's been hiding all this time, which is cute but weird. Um, so he's made a little post office box in the woods and gives them all keys. Um, he's also he's, wearing he's got to buy his way into the club. Let's be honest, you know. He's also wearing a blouse with the frilliest of collars. I saw um, that the the costumer intentionally had uh, the costumes that um, Lori and Joe are supposed to be very similar, like they trade clothes. Well, like uh, I I looked at the pictures and I know it looks like she wears one of his vests later, mm-hmm. but it's it's just a very because at one point they're both wearing their yellow and black vests. Hers just looks very similar to his. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so now uh, in the present day, she opens up the mailbox. There's nothing in there in your face, Joe. Because um, I mean, like it's for the club per se, but presumably it's just for Joe to in this this movie to write like thirsty letters to Lori. Yeah, I mean, we only really come to it twice. It's not like we see them doing a lot of letter exchanges. Yeah. So she walks in the house. Meg is over there with her kids. Everyone's happy to see her. I think it's hilarious that uh, Meg names one of her kids after the uh, nickname that she's given at the dub party. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so Beth is upstairs sick. Um, Meg, this is, time Meg is very much like the picture of the, uh, the overburdened housewife. Yeah. Like yeah. even in these scenes where she's like happy to see them, like she looks tired. Well, she, and she's making that Emma Watson face. Mm-hmm. That one that she's now, I think very famous for making. Um, Beth this time is no, not being poisoned by her mother in a wacky Munchausen by proxy scheme. Um, so Joe gives over half of her money to her mom to find Beth, a good doctor. And Joe will use the rest, take Beth to the sea to help her get better. As if that will work. Uh, that, that's, that was medicine at the time, you know? Yeah. I mean, why not, why not some leeches? Mm-hmm. Um, Bleeder so, for a while. Which I think, I think they still do use in some modern medical practices. Mm. Yeah, I think um, they do, but not, not in the way they did back then. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we're not as worried about the the good and bad humors anymore mm-hmm. uh so joe wonders when amy will be back and i tell her that beth you know didn't want them to tell amy and worry her and not to cut her parish trip short so joe thinks that joe thinks that's bullshit and she's just like amy's always had a talent for getting out of the hard parts of life and laura dern's like could you cool it <laughs> not now could you just yeah. could you just cool it <laughs> uh, so then we're um, flashing back again this is when meg realizes that she can't find her glove uh because it's Meg and Joe are like going to some sort of party or play or something like that. And Amy really wants to go. And Joe says no. So Amy will have her revenge in this life or the next, which he does we see, by burning a manuscript. Yeah. Cause Joe's been writing furiously before she goes. And she's like, she's like, I mean, she's savage in the way that I think older siblings are to younger siblings. Like you keep poking your head in where you're not wanted. Mm-hmm. So Amy throws a temper tantrum and, um, uh, Amy's also so has like these. She's dressed like a like an angel, I guess. She's got like these like fairy wings on. Yeah. So it's uh, Joe and Laurie and Meg and the tutor are basically on a double date. Um, it's a they're watching a play involving a woman tied to a thing, like toward, going towards like a buzzsaw, like yeah. Emily and Ravenswood. Mm-hmm. Um, the tutor and Meg are eyeballing each other, like Ethan Hawke and Julie Deppery in the record booth scene in the Before Sunrise. Like one looks when the other's not looking, and then once they look away, the other is looking at them. So, meanwhile, um, back at home, Amy's like, I'm gonna go take my revenge. She searches the room until she finds a manuscript in, in Joe's drawers there. 
and then she just burns it one at a time. Oh, there is a, yeah, a good she, bit where they're the other two are leaving the theater here, and Meg and this dude are arm in arm, and then Lori holds out his arm, and Joe just punches him. Yeah, yeah, and, and it goes and steals her sister away. Yeah, and it's like sometimes that's flirting. In this case, it doesn't seem to be flirting. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, not it's all not, it's not all playful fun. She's really like, nope, I want my sister to stay with me, and I'm, we're not interested in boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, don't you're not reading my vibe right, Lori. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I would say Amy is not just burning those pages one by one; she is feeding them to the fire. <laughs> um, so the girls are back home, and Amy is just—I love the fucking look on her face as she's just like sitting patiently by the fireplace, waiting for the fallout. What I love is that they all got together to like uh, rehearse for this movie, and then Florence couldn't join them because she was finishing Midsummer, yes. and it's just kind of perfect that she went straight from that movie to this scene. Mm-hmm. So uh, Joe needs to run upstairs, write down some thoughts, but her book is gone. Hmm, where could her book be? And she just immediately senses that it's Amy. She's just like, where is it? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know because I burned it. Nah. <laughs> I don't have it now. <laughs> so they uh, fight. Big, lots of big places. slap fight on the ground. <laughs> and then uh, later we just cut to Joe sobbing on Beth's shoulder as Meg comforts her. And yeah. Uh, Amy is forced to give her apology here about sorry I just really wanted to hurt you yeah yeah <laughs> don't let the which sun is, go down on your anger which is such a pure sentiment though mm-hmm. I think from Amy it does like, make a lot more sense if this character is 12 even though she looks yeah. like like at least 17 I would say is is how old she looks here but I think her she definitely I and mean, she definitely plays older Amy like much more still mm-hmm. mature wise and like younger Amy is like flightier and, and bounces around. I mean, like the performance really nails it. Also, like the level of bangs. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joe's just like, uh, you don't deserve forgiveness, and I will hate you forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so, moving moving things along here, Amy's getting freezed out literally because uh, it's this is uh, I can man these names are just like I can tell they're going to give me trouble this whole, whole podcast, but. Joe has left to go ice skating with Lori, who also goes by Teddy, <laughs> played by Timothy. Uh, and Meg encourages uh, Amy there to be like, you just need to go say something nice to her and like she'll let it go. And so Amy runs out with her ice skates on. We get the kind of warning from uh, Lori here to Joe that you got to watch out. Don't skate in the middle. The ice is thin there. But obviously Amy isn't there to hear that. And so she's going to be trying to follow them you know joe's looking back like seeing her coming and just being like come on let's go you know like let's ditch her and then Mm -hmm. whoosh into the ice amy goes well also meg's advice was kind of classic meg Mm -hmm. wait till joe's really happy in a moment with Lori, and then just say something nice yeah yeah like the the moment you get from a man let me ask you a question what the fuck is Lori wearing there oh you mean on his head just in general i mean he's it's like a cross between like a like a nutcracker band leader type outfit and like something he would wear to try to fight Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon, right? It is a weird look. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um Yeah, so poor Amy, like falls in the ice. They they like I mean Joe immediately like, like breaks a branch and they like, pull her out, and then um when she's like asleep later and Laura Dern's like watching over her of Joe. Joe feels guilty because if Amy died, it would have been her fault. And I just love this line. Like when I get in a passion, I get so savage. I could hurt anyone. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. This is when Laura Dern says, you remind me of yourself or myself. And- um, I want to say of like the 17 adaptations of this novel, 
this is like maybe the only second one to include the Marmy line of I'm, I'm angry nearly mm-hmm. every day of my life. Um, so Joe says she'll try to curb this part of her nature like her mother. Um, so we transition from Amy asleep to, you know, Beth wakes up happy that Joe is right by her. Not dead yet. Yeah. Um, Joe's like, I'm taking you to the sea to get you well. And, you know, Joe's been reading Amy's letters. And this is a nice little moment where, you know, Amy has written that Lori is there in her in Paris. and Lori won't respond to her letters. And Beth's like, do you miss him? And Joe says, I miss everything. And then Beth's like, cool, I'm very nice, which means I'll die soon. So the next scene here is when uh, Meg's going off to the, I don't know, debutante ball or something like that in yeah. New York. Um, and they're they're going to take the carriage there. Uh, the the Lawrence family has like been like, oh, we'll we'll help you out. So how does Lori get there? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just uh, maybe he just rides with her and then goes somewhere else. Um, Joe kind of just like in the background, they're just playing around like Lori and Joe, and Joe gives him a ring, which I think means way more to him than it does to her. Oh, absolutely, because he wears that um, ring for the rest of the movie. Even though Amy's just like, "That's a stupid ring." Mm-hmm. Uh, the tutor is just like, "Are we sure this is a good idea?" He's just like, "Hey, Lori, can you can you see block?" For me, just, you know, just be my man out there, making sure that she doesn't have a good time. Lori's like, I think you can count on me to neg the shit out mm-hmm. of her. <laughs> Don't worry. She won't have any fun. And John Brooks like, could you also leave another like uh, innocuous item of your clothing behind? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when Lori and Joe are wearing almost identical vests. And then as the carriage is like going off, Joe is like, don't get married, Meg. <laughs> Don't fall in love. I know this sounds cute, but I'm deadly serious. Uh, and again, Chris Cooper is like soliciting Beth to come and play the piano at his house. So, yeah, he's got all his instruments. Wants to hear him played. Yeah, um, Meg gets the dead ball. The girls come off as shallow and spoiled. Oh, Meg, why don't you have another dress besides this one? And the other chick's just like, I'm going to call you Daisy for no reason. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's something like, oh, what dress are you wearing tonight? And she's like, this one is <laughs> the only dress I own. Uh, and the other chick's like, oh, I got a dumper. I'll let you wear that. Uh, this mm-hmm. chick who calls her Daisy, I think show, I think she's the chick who shows up when I'm thinking of ending things in a creepy role. Um, so Lori just shows up and like Meg's like, do you like how I look? And he's like, no, I do not. God, what a shit heel. Also, what Lori is wearing, um, I'm pretty sure it's a woman's coat. Like, it reminds me of the episode of The Office where Michael Scott wears a woman's pantsuit mm-hmm. to the office one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, they're uh, they're definitely going out of their way to dress Lori, kind of as, as a dilettante. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's very soft. Uh, he's a soft boy. Um, he's, so back he's to Lauren's such house. a buzzkill. It's just yeah. like she's just trying to enjoy herself. This is going to be like probably the one moment in her life she gets to feel fancy before she goes back home, pops some kids out, and it's just like a housewife for the rest of her days. Well, and like it's because Joe doesn't like buy into his shit at all. So he has to work for it. Uh, he likes that. And then like Amy adores him. And I think he like, as much as he like wants to be in the March family, he doesn't give a shit about Meg or Beth. It's almost like Meg's like adherence to traditional values. Just discuss him. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, Oh, Beth's still alive. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah Meg says at one point here, you're the rudest boy I ever saw. Yeah. He's really digging into her insecurities here. Yes, he is. Um, he's just like, Oh, I can't believe you'd want to be like these people. <laughs> I mean, I'm rich, so it's no, you know, no bother to me. I'll be fine. But you're like also uh, this whole thing where like you're sitting in the other room hiding from everyone. That's kind of my territory. 
Yeah, so this, uh, is, so this is a scene where Chris Cooper comes down the stairs, listens to Beth playing, and has this little moment. And oh, eventually Megan Laurie will dance. Um, lots of twirling. Also, some bunny hops. He's he's done as directed here by his tutor. He makes sure that the only one she dances with is him, pretty much. And so, good luck mm-hmm. finding uh, any possible you know prospects. And then it just like this hard cut back to her kind of get, getting the lecture, you know, from her now husband about how they don't have any money. They're poor, and shit. they're single candle at night. Yeah. Um. So. He's like, well, I guess it's not so bad for the cost of a dress. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's just, just the fabric. Yeah. He's like, oh, I guess I just won't wear a coat then. Yeah, this winter. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so oh, you know, you've seen a lot of like, oh, just, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so poor and I'm such a disappointment to you. So she kind of has to be like, oh, no, no, you're not. It's a passive aggressive bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's I'm just so like, I'm ungrateful and wicked. Yeah. I'm going to go cry myself to sleep, but I won't even take our one candle with me when I go upstairs. <laughs> I don't know what this guy does now because I don't think because Lori's in Europe. He doesn't need him. Yeah, but um, maybe he's just teaching elsewhere in town. That that seems to be his avocation is that he teaches. So so in Paris, uh, Lori comes to visit Amy in her studio and she feels like a failure because she's not a genius, which again is incredibly nuts because her, her paintings are crazy incredible. Yeah, she says, um, I want to be great or nothing. Yeah. So she knows the game is stacked against her because as a woman, the men will allow her to be a genius. So she'll have to get married and marry rich to make a living and support her family. And that person will probably be Fred Vaughn. Apparently this, uh, this little speech she gives here is inspired by Meryl Streep saying you should put something in the movie to explain the kind of the rules of the day, like how, how it was back then for people who may not know that like, you know, the money is not even yours. You're, you're basically just there to be bred. I like that the the text is not necessarily taken as as precious, but like it like the changes are are kind of in honor of it because like um, I believe that like Joe's whole big speech later, women mm-hmm. um, is like not from the book if I recall, but it's from other writings by Louisa May Alcott. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so Fred is it's when Fred's arrived to meet her, and again. Wait. You got some, oh, some heat. sexy little moment the here heat, where yeah. he's got to unbutton her like uh, artist's mock apron or whatever that is. And he's, yeah. he's taking his time with it, making mm-hmm. sure that she feels it, slowly undoing the, the ties. She's like, do I look all right? And he's like, you look beautiful. You are beautiful. And she's like, sweet. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> and go see Fred Vaughn. Fred Vaughn is just like, oh, you're in that room with another man. Toodaloo. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so like I said, I I, I watched just um, like the one of the scenes between them of like uh, uh, Patrick Bateman and, and Samantha Mathis in the '94 one, and it's like um, Christian Bale is like hitting a flask in that scene. Wait, who He's does like he play? Seething. He plays Laurie. I thought she's. Oh, I thought she said Christian uh, Bale. No, who did I think he said? Um, it's the fucking Mister Robot guy. I can't think of his name right now. Oh, Christian Slater. Christian no, no, Slater. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. No, not Baby Jack Nicholson. Uh, Christian Bale. I can see him as uh, as Laurie as well. The casting of the '94 movie is fucking bananas. Um, like Eric Stoltz and uh, um, Gabriel Byrne mm. as uh, Friedrich. Like, I mean, in the book, they never they make sure you know Friedrich's not what you would call handsome. <laughs> so it kind of fits. Anyways, Patrick Bateman is like seething with rage, like hitting the flask the whole time. I kind of feared for Samantha Mathis's life in that scene. Anyway, yeah, you get the fun little introduction here 
where we see, oh, Fred Vaughn, this is where he came into the story. You got introduced to Amy back in the day and when they all went to the beach. Yeah. And we meet the March girls. Amy gloms onto Fred immediately with, I'm Amy March. You remember that name. I'm going to come and find you someday in London. And he's like, whatever. I feel like back in the day, like men just did not know what to do with somebody this aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, I I guess I have to marry them. Shit. (laughs) Well, if she talked to me more than three times, Mm -hmm. I should propose. Yeah. Uh, You see her doing the drawing right now of uh, Lori. It's amazing to me, like how fiction of this time period would let it lead us to believe that people were so entirely sexless. Mm-hmm. Like, like these, like these kids would not be horny as shit. Presumably other fiction existed. Just not the kind that, uh, got stocked in libraries or remembered, I suppose, you know? Yeah, I guess. I mean, you would think that there would at least have been like, Joe would have been like, I'm curious. Let's have a finger blasting experiment, Lori. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, I'll try. And she's like, no, no, I didn't mean me. I- <laughs> I like Meg skipping rocks there at this dolt. She's she's yeah. clearly really into this guy. And it's like, well, that's what you want. Also, there's going to be a, a fuck ton of frolicking on this beach. A lot of frolicking, but uh, just some some punching too. Like like uh, Lori tries to, I, I don't know, if, tickle, I guess, is, is I guess the best way to put this. But like he's, you know, looking to get a little touchy. And she just like hauls off and punches him. Like she's just not into it, even though he thinks they're still just flirting and having fun. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, not realizing the truth of her words when she thinks that, like, this guy coming after her sister is wretched and the mm-hmm. idea of some man taking her away is is hideous. And he's like, oh, you'll feel different when someone comes take you away. And she's like, I like to see them try. And he's like, huh, I think that's a challenge. And it's like, no, Lori. It's not. <laughs> yeah. So it's summer there. And then we cut to, like, like you know, now the future fall cold. Um, meet me in Montauk here. And Beth and Joe are on the beach. Um, it's overcast. There's no one around now. Uh, Joe's been reading to Beth from a book. And Beth wonders why Joe isn't writing. And it's like, obviously, Joe is shell-shocked after Professor Friedrich's criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get the flashback. So, so to, she says to write for somebody else. Yeah. Um, we get the flashback to Marmy volunteering to help out the war effort. There's a um, sad bastard old man who's obviously like going to be too cold. So she takes her own scarf off her neck. To wrap in a blanket to give this guy. And then she well, gets the telegram, kind of the, the the oh shit telegram. What's this gonna be? Yeah. Well, kind of in the uh the saving private Ryan thing too, where he's like, I've got three kid three sons, two are dead, one is a hosp in the hospital, and one was captured. Mm-hmm. So um I you know, I have no sons. Um yeah, she gets a telegram from Washington. I mean back at the house, she's like packing in a hurry. Uh Bob Odenkirk's been like wounded, he's in a hospital somewhere. Chris Cooper's going to look in on the girls. The family needs to check in on the poor Germans. The tutor will chaperone Laura Dern. And then like uh, uh, Joe comes in and hands like a, just a wad of cash over to her mom and says, uh, will this be enough for the train? And she's like, $25. Like, you know, Aunt March wouldn't be so generous. And she's like, oh, she wasn't. I sold my hair. And like takes the, her hat off and her hair is like completely shorn, uh, short there. And she looks great. But obviously in the how do they do that in the, the 94 version? Like, what do they do to Winona's hair? I don't remember. I might have gone to the arcade at that point to play video games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that uh, um, the family has a big hug and like Chris Cooper and Lori and the tutor all watch. I wanted Chris Cooper to be like, you know, I'm like filthy rich. So <laughs> anyway, good luck with your hair. 
yeah uh hope that grows out because uh you're like the family's one last hope well there's another 25 dollars seems like a lot of money at this time but i don't have a frame of reference so i have no idea yeah nowadays that's i feel like that should be like four thousand dollars or something but yeah yeah just go and i gave a kidney Mm -hmm. so later that night like joe's crying in her hair in the hallway because of her hair i like that so it's not just like and then she was fine it's like no she's really sad about her hair even yeah, though yeah. it was like, you know, the right thing to do or that had to be done. So now in, in Paris, Laurie and Amy are having a picnic. And this is when Amy's like drawing him. And she's like challenging Laurie on like what a lethargic, petulant little shit he is. And she wants him to like go work for his grandfather and make something himself. Because the movie only mentions here, I believe, that basically Laurie's kind of sort of vocation is to like compose music. Oh, is that so, is that it? Huh, okay. Supposedly, yeah. Like, but so he's like, "Oh, I'm working on an opera," and I love that she's immediately like, "That's stupid. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it." This is where she shows him the the, the old drawing that she's obviously kept for years and years and brought with her on this, mm-hmm. uh, comparing to the new one there. And so they talk about. I mean, it's Fred it, Vaughn. He, I don't think he's too dense to not pick up on the implication there. Mm. Um, but but at the same time, now he's kind of be like, "Oh, don't marry him," and she's. Just a little insulted by now suddenly he's showing interest. Well, you feel the heat and she's like, why? And he's like, you know why? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, fuck you. No. Um, you know, and she's like, you know, I've been second to Joe in everything in my life. I won't be the person you settle for when you can't have Joe. Not when I spent my entire life loving you. And she like throws down her art and like walks off because fuck this guy. And it's just like this cut again back to the past where she's uh, making a mold of her feet to remind him she has nice feet. Which is, I think, an adorable moment to to follow this, mm-hmm. like to to follow that moment. It's like it it kind of well, they've they've I hinted know, like, up until then that Amy like has had a crush on this dude for a long time, but like this is like in case he didn't get it. I mean, I want to say like I was when I read it as a kid, because even as a kid, I think you kind of you get the idea of romance, even though you don't really understand it. So like you kind of root for certain things. I know like I definitely walked away from the book thinking like it was weird that Joe and Laurie didn't end up together. Um, here, the movie is like very much coded. Like this is the relationship between Amy and Laurie. Um, like, like the connection between like uh, Joe and Laurie is different. Mm-hmm. I like in the uh, past how uh, her foot gets stuck and they all laugh at it. Yeah. So the tutor's written a letter uh, saying that their father's still weak, that Laura Dern's a great nurse. And Joe's like, why the fuck are we getting letters from Mr. Brooks and not mother? <laughs> so the little women are struggling to keep everything going. Uh, only Beth has been going to visit the poor German family. And like she wants to go now and they're just like, nah, fuck that. We got shit to do. And so she goes on her own and it feels very... It's like a horror movie, right? It's very like ominous the way yeah. like this wide shot of the door opening and her going inside and closing the door. It's like, oh fuck, what's happening there? Yeah, you don't you don't see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um a different soundtrack would really scare the shit out of you in that scene. So she comes back to the house later to find that like old Mr. Lawrence has brought her a nice piano. Um, so she wants to thank him by making him fancy slippers. Um, she she runs right over to thank him and he gives her a hug and he's just like, Hey, uh, what's going on with you? Seems like you got a fever. You're like 120 degrees. Yeah. So we find out she's got scarlet fever. You got the classic uh, old doctor from the 1800 scene where he just like closes the door and walks out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Megan Joe have had it before, but not Amy. So they'll have to send Amy away to Aunt March. Um, and Joe's like, we'll nurse her and she'll get better. Nope. <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, I think we eventually like, find out that the she got better better from the fever, but it did like permanent damage to her heart. As much as medical science of the eighteen mm-hmm. sixties can be accurate, sure. I don't think she got like an X ray or anything. True, true. Uh, so we're at the beach now. Uh, Joe is reading a news story to Beth. His Beth lays her head in her lap. Um, Beth, you know, wants Joe to keep writing even when she's gone. Because Beth realizes she's dying, and this is like the line you mentioned. Like it's like the tide going out. It goes out very slowly, but it can't be stopped. And Joe's like, "I'll stop it. I stopped it before." As the wind blows over the sand, that's just a really cool shot there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot um, of the like, directing work in this is fairly subtle. Um, you know, you wouldn't, but it almost feels like you couldn't have planned that. Like, mm-hmm. it, like you just got lucky that day of the weather. But I don't know. I mean, it's it. it's pr- a pretty good match there for what they're talking about. Yeah. Um. So flashback to, you know, Joe for short hair is like nursing Beth in bed and like Joe's commanding the universe to make her sister better. Um, at Aunt March's house, she's like watching Amy painting. This is where Amy kind of gets recruited. She's like, Joe's hopeless, lost cause. Uh, it's going to be up to you to marry and get some money for the family. And I understand that Meg's had her head turned by a penniless tutor. <laughs> Uh, so now in Paris, Amy discovers that she just missed Lori and that Lori's gone to London. Um, she finds out that, uh, oh, she's with Aunt March here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, we find out that Amy has just told Fred Vaughn that she wouldn't marry him. And Aunt March is like, God fucking damn it. Yeah. It's, like a, the, I really, um, it's really interesting the way they mirror those scenes, like her getting like kind of the recruitment from Aunt March seven years ago. And now her uh-huh. kind of being like, yeah, sorry, I didn't do the thing you wanted me to do. Also, I'm fascinated by the way she's like sitting there like reflecting. We just get this cut of, uh, from far away. It's like Fred Vaughn gets down on one knee Mm -hmm. and then we hear in the present from Amy. She's just like, yeah, I turned him down. That's Um, the end for Fred Vaughn. Yeah. So back at the house, Joe and Meg are looking over Beth. This is when John Brooks shows up and uh, Meg's got to be like, Oh shit. That's right. I'm married. I left my kids with that dude a while ago. I haven't seen my kids in a while. Mm-hmm. He wants her to get the new dress. She says it's too late that she sold the fabric to her friend and they kind of make up. So Joe is watching this when Beth has an attack. Um, flashback, you know, Beth was back when she was sick the first time, sick enough that they sent for Laura Dern. So Laura Dern comes running in and like Laura comes over and like kind of comforts Joe like he's her boyfriend. And uh, Laura Dern like knows exactly what to do. And I guess John Brooke has stayed behind to like nurse Papa March. Mm-hmm. It's pretty effective. These kind of mirroring moments here where they communicate just through the actions that like, it's like, Oh, Joe wakes up and the bed is empty and she rushes downstairs and what's going on. And then, Oh, the mom leans back and there's Beth and it's like, everything's fine. You know, the fever broke. And then yeah. in the present day, it's like the same sequence. Oh, and also like the dad shows up then Merry Christmas, to everyone. And then back in the present day, same sequence. She wakes up, the bed's empty. She goes downstairs. And this time, Laura Dern's just crying. Mm -hmm. I want to say I've only ever seen clips from it on YouTube. But did you know there's a train spotting sequel? Yeah. Yeah, that came out a couple years ago. It's called like T2 or something weird. Yeah. uh, There's apparently like a really interesting shot. Because I think Danny Boyle is always like one third of the way to being a genius, like visually. Like mm-hmm. he he tilts things too, way like weird Dutch angles way too often. But there's a shot like mirrored from the first one in that when what's the character's name? Is it Spud? Where in the first one, like he has a shot where he's in the the family like kitchen with his mom and dad, and I guess in the sequel, the mom is dead, hmm. and so it's like him and the dad are in the same spot in the kitchen in the sequel. But like there's like the shadow of like what would have been the mom. It's like really, I don't know. It, it kind of reminded me of this, just the way the same movement where like Laura Dern moves, but like now. 
Beth is not there on the other side of her because she's in the ground. Mm-hmm. Also, they apparently found out Beth was dead that morning, carried her body out of the room yep. without waking up Joe. Didn't want to disturb her. Um, That's a hard sleep, Joe. The funeral here, you can see this is basically just in a field somewhere with some, it's like a peasant's graveyard, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everyone else kind of slowly leaves. Or at least everyone that's there, you know, Meg leaves and the mom leaves and Odenkirk leaves. And it's just Joe sitting there or standing there all alone. And then like hard cut to her, almost a match cut. of She's looking out the window at Beth. This is on Meg's wedding day here. So yeah. happier times. Uh, and so Joe goes like a desperate plea for her and Meg to run away. And that Joe can sell her stories and Meg can have a life on the stage. And Meg's like, uh, no, honey, I want to get married. And Joe's like, you will be bored of him in two years, true, and we will be interesting forever. Yeah, and I love like, that line. Just, yeah, just because my dreams are different from yours doesn't mean that they're unimportant. You will be bored of him like, in two oh. years, and we will be interesting forever. Yeah. Uh, so Meg says that she wants a, a home and a family, and she wants to, it to be with this boring tutor guy, and Joe hates that her sister's leaving her. And Meg's like, well, one day it'll be your turn. And Joe's like, fuck that. <laughs> so childhood's ending. Meg thinks it's a happy ending. Joe does not. Um, so Meg gets married, you know, Bob Odenkirk, Civil War veteran, officiates it. And can you um, have the, the father of the bride officiate? I guess you can, but I don't know. Seems like some sort of conflict of interest. I, I, I feel like religious stuff is just as much of a hoax as sure. like social norms. So sure. I, I like um, Mr. Lawrence asking Aunt Marsh to dance and she's just like, nope. <laughs> and so he just like bows and goes away. Yeah. Well, then Lori tries to, and she like sighs. Like, yeah. ah. So they, they immediately then escort Aunt March to her carriage. And Aunt March, being savage, is like, I hope that you're happy now, now that you've ruined your life the same way as your mother by marrying your father. <laughs> Not wrong. I mean, that's, damn, that's kind of accurate. That's kind of cold. She has um, like a pretty good line. I think it's here where she says, um, let me see if I can find the exact word in here. I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. Yeah. Also, Aunt March paid for this wedding, right? Presumably, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Dropped a couple bills on it, at least. It's not super fancy. I like Meg trying to like give her aunt a kiss, and the aunt just like, like flinches and packs away. Yeah. Uh, so now Aunt March invites Amy to be her companion to Europe, which I love. The Amy comes running over. She's got great news. Like, oh, Aunt March is going to Europe. And like Joe immediately jumps <laughs> in and like, yeah, and I'm going with her. She's like, uh, no, she said I was going to go with her. And you just like the mental calculation that Joe has to go through of like, uh, great, that's wonderful. Well, and of course, Joe is now upset with Amy. Mm-hmm. Amy didn't do anything here. <laughs> I didn't know she's upset. I mean, it, it clearly it, it burns, even though for different reasons, like it makes more sense for Amy to go. I think. I I think I think it fuels into the still lingering animosity that yeah. Joe has for Amy. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Amy didn't really do anything wrong. She didn't even like campaign you know for this this job as companion so meg goes off of her boring new husband and this um, is where Lori is just like hey romance in the air today right time for me to yeah. finally put it on the line here with joe and joe's just like oh no also look at this field this beautiful field overlooking the area where they lived like before we really fucked up our planet with pollution mm-hmm. uh, yeah so uh, you know, now that Lori's graduated, he's going to start to go on a long holiday. And Joe's just like, I'm not good like Beth. I'm so angry and I'm restless, which I feel I'd that. I'd rather be a free spinster and paddle my own canoe. Yeah, he thinks it's, uh, he loves her, he wants her. And she's like, nah, dude. 
And he thinks it's inevitable, a foregone conclusion. Both of their families think so, which is worse. Clearly, this is love, right? And she's just like, (sighs) I like how she keeps calling him Teddy. Yeah. She's the only one who calls him Teddy. Um, And so she's just like, you know, I can't love you the way you want to be loved. So the answer is no. It's got to be no. If it makes you feel any better, I'm probably not going to get married to anyone. I mean, the, 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 the only bit I like from him here, which I've kind of felt, you know, from the past, is she's just like, you'll realize that I was right someday and you'll thank me for it. And he's like, I'd rather be dead than realize that. <laughs> well, and they don't play um, it up too much, but this is a pretty classic love triangle situation where the the one person is, uh, you know, infatuated with the other, but they like someone else type of deal between uh, Amy, and this- Joe, and, and Teddy here. And in this case, it's, you know, the person that she's interested otherwise is herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's kind of honest just about like, you know, we would drive each other fucking insane. And you can tell like, that no. like in his mind, it's like, yeah, that would be great. We'd be so fun. And she's like, no, no, it actually, no, it'd be bad. Well, because he's like, I'll be so good for you. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's not right. That's not better. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he thinks that she'll meet someone and love and die for them because that's her way. And he's like, and I'll watch. <laughs> so creep. he walked. I mean, well, I mean, at the same time, though, it's like it's like he's going to get that. his money's worth if he's going to get rejected. Basically, he's like, I'm just I'm going to turn into this like brooding weirdo. He's like, this is my wound that I must bear now if, if you're going to turn me down. I, it's horrible for sure. The way he's like putting this on her. But at the same time, raise your hand if you've ever been in an unrequited crush. Hey, man, it sucks. Can't can't deny. Yeah. And it's like. Even if you are cool and you don't necessarily verbalize these thoughts, you are thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, you you want somebody. It's just not me, and I'll have to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, 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 if nothing else, at least recognize my pain is kind of what he's trying to communicate. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, you could suffer silently, bro. Um, so she just, like, he leaves, leaving her alone in this field, and she just kind of sits and cries. So now she's up in her attic. Joe's packing She's up got things. a little Holden Caulfield in her. She just uh, wants them all to stay young and... Kind of the sisterly, you know, fun times they had together doesn't really want to move on and grow up. Uh, you know who cares about flowers when they're dead? Nobody. You, well, you I, made actually, that joke say, like one episode ago. I was going to say this time, mm-hmm. Beth. Yeah. <laughs> so Joe's packing up some things in the attic and Laura Dern's like, I hope I'm not disturbing your writing. And, and Joe's just like, I don't do that anymore. Um, you know, since it didn't save my sister, as you know, as if writing is being a doctor. This is where you get so her, her women's speech here, yeah. Yeah, but Lord Ernst's like, why don't you go back and find your friend, that French guy who has a German name? Um, well, she, Joe says she, that she says, ruined that friendship of her temper. She ruins everything. Lord Ernst asks, do you love him? And and the answer that Joe gives is, is if he asked me again, I think I would say yes. Talking about Lori, yeah. 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 Uh, do, you think, do you think he'll ask me again? But do you Lord love Ernst's him? Like, I care more yeah. to be loved. I want to be loved. That's not the same as loving. Yeah. Uh, raise your hand if you've been in there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is when she says, women! launched a, a million gifts yeah for sure yeah um so in paris amy's waiting for Lori. um she needs she hugs him needing comfort after death of her sister you know beth was the best of us she says she tells oh, she's he's going to escort her because aunt march is now sick um uh and that's the way that things are so she tells him that she's not marrying fred vaughn she doesn't want to feel like he needs to say anything in response to that but he kisses her nice moment good yeah. kiss um, and then we see so, uh, Joe is writing a letter that she's going to put in the mailbox for Teddy talking about how she's young and stupid. And now things have changed. I mean, I feel like a lot of this is 
she's just lost like, you know, one quarter of the, the ideal life, you know, that she wanted. And Meg is married with her own life. It's kind of like, Hey, it's, if you want, you know, this idealized life, you're, you kind of have to get married in a way now, mm-hmm. like you have to join everyone else. And so it's, I feel like there's a little bit of settling here on her part. Well, I was going to say, it's that thing where like you turn to your friend and you're like, Hey, what if in like 20 years, if neither of us is tied down, we just settle mm-hmm. into a period of livable hatred, otherwise known as marriage. Um, so we see her journey to New York in the boarding house. Um, it's an interesting moment here that like, I, I didn't fully appreciate when I watched it in the theater, but I, I like it now where it's like, we kind of see like what her first journey to New York looked like as she went to the boarding house. Oh, right, right. Yeah. She wakes up, you know, um, and there's Lori in the present day, like with her in the attic and, he makes um, sure oh to, to name drop his wife real quick there. He yanks that band-aid uh, right and off. And Joe's just like, oh, yeah, like Amy's- huh? You're what? Hey, yeah, Amy's down at Meg's of Laura Dern. He's just like, there was no getting my wife out of their clutches. And Joe's like, what the fucking fuck is this fucking fuck? Uh, and he's like, yeah, we're married. Um, she's like, are you in love? And he's like, he's always loved Joe. But the, what I feel for Amy is different. Um, also, we've exchanged fluids. Mm-hmm. We fucked. Um, <laughs> we just fucked smell my hand seriously um it's a long hair dried so he says that you know she was right they would have killed each other and this is when i mean it's like, just oh, it's a bitter pill to swallow man do you have basically told this guy it was never going to happen and then gotten to a point in your life when he had to be like well maybe maybe i was wrong i'm gonna swallow my pride and like see if this guy's still interested and then he's like oh yeah i married your sister and she's like, cool, I'm so happy for you. I just need to go get this thing real quick. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tougher, too, because it is her sister. Mm-hmm. Though she's text- always had kind of, you know, natural antagonism with over stuff like this. Because in Joe's book, she's the protagonist. Amy's the antagonist. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, you know, it's it's been set up that Amy's harbored this crush on him forever. Um, and she's probably seen the real him or, or in her own way more so than, than Joe has. Um, but I would argue 10 years from now, these two might hook up. Who? Joe and Lori. Joe and Lori. I don't, I don't think Joe would. I don't, I don't, I don't see that on her end. Mm. I don't know, man. 10 years of that, that French German guy. I don't know. So uh, there's the nervous, you know, question of can we still be friends? And the answer is yes, but like Joe is dying inside. So she comes downstairs, the whole family's gathered. She and Amy make eye contact first. And Amy's just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Mm-hmm. So and she's like, and yeah, that's like, what you told you, huh? Yeah. She's like, I'm so happy for you. And Amy lets up this immense sigh of relief. And Joe finally says, life is too short to be angry at one's sisters, which is nice. Um, so they hug because they both miss Beth. And Amy says, thank you. And Marmy gives Joe a look like, Good for you. Mm-hmm. Joe's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe's like, yeah, I, um, I got to go get that letter and uh, tear it up on a bridge and cry a little bit and throw it into the water. Well, and this time she's destroying her own words, mm-hmm. um, not somebody else feeding them to the flames. So Joe walks back to the house and encounters Chris Cooper outside, who's like not doing well and knowing that Beth is not inside that house. So he's, she's like, I'll be your friend if you need it. And he's like, cool, because I, I need the companionship of young women. Mm-hmm. Do you play piano, though? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't really care about your stories, Joe. I'm just mm. going to get that right out of the way. They're uh, honestly, they're not good. <laughs> I don't like them. Yeah, and then Joe can't sleep, and she kind of gets up and gathers all of her writing that's in the house, and she's burning it all herself this time. 
which yeah. uh, is painful to watch. Uh, but she stops in a little like diary thing that where she was writing stories for Beth and she sees the for Beth story there. And it's like, hmm, maybe I will go write for her. So we get a writing montage. There's like nice writing animals, montage. Like writing this night. almost made my top moments. Yeah. Editing during the day, doing that classic thing again, editing where you're just rearranging pages <laughs> as if that's that's how stories work. I mean, I think the implication there is that she just had them out of order because it's not like a word processor where you, you have somebody take care of that for you, you know. What if page three was page 45 mm-hmm. and page 50 was page nine? That'll make more sense. This writing process is both fascinating and man, that would suck. Like, especially when she's got like a hundred pages laid out there with like a couple candles here and there. And I'm like, oh, one, one candle gets kicked and like, there goes a chapter of your book. Yep. Yep. That you had to handwrite. Mm-hmm. That you might not have um, any other copy of. Well, I would say also, does she... Please tell me she just rewrites the whole thing and sends that copy to Tracy Letts. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Or she must <laughs> like, have. Like, like when she hasn't heard back from him, and she writes him and she's like, what do you think of the pages? And he's like, I don't know, maybe Pony Express error? I didn't get your pages. <laughs> I used to write freehand. Like, uh, that used to be my, my writing method. I, was, I would always write the first draft in, in, on a piece of paper so that when I type it in, I'm like, you know, doing a, a revision right there. But eventually, I think I just got sick of doing that <laughs> well I, I i can't do it anymore just uh mm-hmm. or my hands not used yeah to it anymore, yeah my hands way. just not used to writing that much anymore um it's like you like write three pages and it's like suddenly you're like your hands cramping up and, i mean i think, yeah. I think um, maybe like the first i'm trying to remember if i ever wrote trouble for hand or not i don't think so maybe the script the the tv pilot script i don't think i think i was always pure digital for the book cool mm-hmm. um so she she uh, sends the pages to Tracy Letts. Um, they kind of do a thing we saw a little bit earlier, uh, which I feel like so you it's really like a only Spike see Lee now. Move. Well, it's like Spike Lee, like maybe Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. where it's like the person addresses the camera with the text of the letter, and it's like not full voiceover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aunt March has died, left Joe her house. Um, Joe could sell it, but she wants to do something that will make Aunt March turn in her grave. <laughs> Just one turn, yeah. Uh, so she's gonna open a school, even though. That seems not so much out of character, but like not in her wheelhouse per se. What do you um, mean? To be a teacher? I, I feel that's like that's what she was not, doing when she was at the boarding house. She was teaching the kids as, there. As a day job, yes. Yeah. Yes, because that was the vocation she could get and she had experience with it, but it doesn't seem like what she would choose as her day job. Um, but it'll be a school that's mostly. Well, I'm sure girls, she would choose to be well. a writer, but that's not on the table necessarily. But it will. Be. I mean, it, but then again, this this professor is just like, what if we just open a school for fucking orphans? And I mean, it like, seems great. like all the the learned people here. If you didn't have money, you're just teachers. Mm. So if you can't do, yeah, or like governesses, you know, mm. it's a real turn of the screw. Um, so, you know, Joe's just like writing doesn't confirm importance; it reflects it. Um, yeah, they're then, they're encouraging uh, her to write. It's a nice little scene there. And so Amy drops some wisdom and Joe's like, when did you become so wise? And Amy's just like, I always have been. You've just been too noticing my faults, which is so true. Um, so in New York, Tracy lets his read her pages. He's not into her pages. Um, he would like more scandalous stories from her. Uh, Joe comes downstairs. The French guy has come to visit. He's found her and come to visit, which is how weird, weird, right? I, I guess in the book, this guy is like coming to tell her about the manuscript and that there's interest in it or something like that. I don't recall that. I, I think I want to say I remember the in the from when I read the book as a kid. I was still like, how did he even find where she mm-hmm. lived? 
But so um, we get to follow up that flashback to her arrival in New York that when she had gone to the boarding house, the French guy was the first person she saw and there was like a spark kind of like hinting that like this is definitely the guy she should end up with. Sure. If you want. I mean, it's very um, much like in the parlance of romantic comedies type of thing. But like yeah. it, it, which is, it, it feels too pat. And I think the obviously Greta Gerwig wants you to sense that while still getting to indulge in the you know typical romance tropes. Yeah, I mean, we're we're clearly like like gone into like a fantastical you know fictional world here, because um, I mean the the story is still like it's the genesis for most of these kind of romantic comedy setups where you keep thinking like uh, Laurie and Joe are going to have like a third act get together, mm-hmm. um, and that Beth will take off her glasses and reveal that she's beautiful and not dying. But um, I love that Amy and Laurie show up and Laurie's instantly like, who the fuck is this guy again? <laughs> Who is this guy? I, Amy is fascinated by the idea of this guy. It's like, wow, this is somebody that Joe actually likes. What's his deal? Well, also, wouldn't you want to get her tied down if you were Amy? Yeah, yeah. Sure? You just got a massage and a guilt there. Yeah. Well, but also that that there's no risk of her like. I don't think there's any risk of her Lori? like cheating with her husband or anything like that. I don't think Joe's that kind of person. So he stays for dinner. Um, he's been offered a, they, they love him immediately for some reason. He's been offered a professorship in California. Um, and he's like, oh, in California, they're, they're less particular about immigrants. And this is when Papa March is like, maybe I should go out west. And Marmy says, you're not an immigrant. So perhaps you should stay home, jackass. And I think this is where it's just like, I don't know. I guess I just have nothing keeping me here. Yeah. Hint, hint, hint. Also, Papa March was not around when his daughter died. <laughs> No, all. he was. Wasn't he? Well, yeah, he was. I mean, he's at the funeral. Yeah. At the funeral. I'm sure he was around-ish. At the funeral. <laughs> it's, at the, it's at the pony tracks uh, but, when she's dying. But then uh, he he notices the piano and he kind of learned a little bit about how, oh, they had a sister he used to play. And so he offers to, or I think they ask him to play maybe. Um, well, he, he asks, is that is that weird? Is that mm-hmm. cool? Which I, I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And so, so does, him Joe- playing is kind of like, oh, look at that. He's... He, he, he's a perfect compliment to the family. He fits right in. You know, what a nice yeah. thing. Also, Lori looks miserable. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Um, so later he makes his goodbyes to everyone. He tells Joe he'd love to see her if she ever comes to California. And she's like, doubt it. Yeah, she's like, I don't think I will, but thanks. Uh, so he's clearly heartbroken. Um, once he's gone, they all they all like look at her. And Amy's just like, you love him. I love that uh, Amy, like, she turns to Chris Cooper and she's like, doesn't she love him? And Chris Cooper's like, that's a good instinct. Mm-hmm. You love him. This is very much it's, a you got to chase this guy to the airport and have a, a wacky confrontation in front of everyone type of scene. The only thing missing here is the slow clap mm-hmm. when they kiss. Um, so Lori's like, I never thought I'd help Joe March chase a man. So the French dude's like walking off in the rain. Um, meanwhile, this scene, Tracy lets in his wife live in a <laughs> form of livable hatred. And she's like, you never asked for my mother, even though you know I've seen her. And he's like, I assume that she's alive. But I ask after your mother, and I have no I idea why. why. You're you're willfully missing the point. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, and then he, like their kids run in, and they're like, "What happens, you know, to the little women?" Tell me about the rest of the book. And he's just like, "What people actually re- like reading this? What the fuck?" Which I think is the 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 origin of the book. Mm-hmm. It was that they found that, that children liked it and immigrants apparently. Um, yeah. So the other little women take Joe to the train station in the carriage. She very Hollywood running out looking around for the guy and then like oh did she miss him no he's behind her and they kiss under the umbrella because he didn't have a carriage mm-hmm. <laughs> he had to hoof it 
so later in Tracy Letts' office, he's like read Joe's book. He seems invested now. You know, he's like, I don't see why she just doesn't end up with the neighbor. Like, so who does she marry? And Joe points out the main characters maintain the whole book that she won't get married. Yeah, so like, like, girls want to see women married, not consistent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he tells her that if she ends her delightful book with her main character, Spinster, no one will buy it, which I kind of think they've already bought it. You know what I mean? Like they yeah, but I, I guess it, it wouldn't have the the word of mouth. You know, you you need somebody to say, hey, you should read this book, which I, mm. I do think he's not totally wrong and that people tend to prefer happy endings. I mean, obviously, they may not become great works of literature if you pander, but in general, yeah. people usually prefer a happy ending. True. So, you know, Joe's like, well, I guess a marriage has always been an economic proposition, even in marriage, which is something I heard my Amy, my sister Amy say. Um, so back to Joe at the train station in the rain. Um, she goes running after the French professor, you know. Um, again, I think she got there first because he was hoofing it and they kiss. And he's like, I have nothing to give you. My hands are empty. Like, and she's like, no, they're, I can't they're understand not you. You're so French. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good line. My hands are empty. They're not empty because she's in them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back in Tracy Letts' office, he's like, I love them. It's very romantic. We'll I call it the Under the Umbrella. The, where the Joe character says, I was on top. Who the fuck is on top their first time? Mm-hmm. You so love that moment, huh? I, I do. Okay. I do. Uh, they start negotiating the contract. He offers her 5% of the royalties. She wants an upfront payment. He's like, fine, I'll give you $500 for the copyright. And I love that she's just like, well, that sounds like something I'd want to keep, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, nice. So, the, these two are fun. Just the back and forth negotiation here. I'm the one taking the risk. Yeah, but it's my book, and you know I'll pay you money up front. And so I, the terms they eventually work out is six point six percent of the royalties, and she mm-hmm. keeps the copyright. Well, the, the great line, Mister Dashwood. If I'm going to sell my heroin into marriage, I better get some of it. Yes. <laughs> so she gets to own her book. Uh, meanwhile, we see that Joe has turned Aunt March's house, Aunt March's house into a school. There's a shit ton of kids running around. The whole family's there helping out because this is going to be Marmy's birthday. It's very much like this kind of fantasy storybook ending here. Everyone's yeah. happy. It looks like uh, Amy has had a kid. I think she's got like a baby there. Yeah, she has like a girl who mm-hmm. might get sick in the actual book on like the last page. Yeah, I mean like basically like uh, uh, Peter Falk is like explaining to Fred Savage how this is all going to work out. There's um, a the school. In, or it's being intercut with the the kind of process of bookbinding, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool to watch that. Like, like the, the actual like sewing at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the French guys apparently like teaching music. Joe's teaching, uh, or uh, Meg is teaching drama. Lori is teaching like fencing or something. Sure. Um, I kind of just want to watch a documentary about making old books. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a cake again for Marmy's birthday because she's still a character. Uh, and then they finish the book of a gold seal to tie it on the front, and Joe's handed a copy of her book. And it's very much like um, it reminded me of the Magnolia ending, you know, the the smile she gets, but it's a it's a, a hard one smile. Yeah, yeah, there's, it's not like a big there's, smile. There's sorrow in it at the same time, but she's mm-hmm. she's still happy. She, you know, she chased her dream and she did it. She published her book. I like that. There's a complexity here that could be contemplated. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that's our movie. Great movie. All right. Well, uh, any complaints? Yeah, I've got a couple here. Um, Okay. I just don't really connect to Beth at all in this version. I mean, there's definitely some some strong moments of her, but overall, she's a conduit to feel Joe's pain. Um, And because of the kind of achronological nature of the story, you just know Beth is doomed the whole time, whereas in the book, I believe it's like a slow build to her sickness. There's like a chance and a hope she could survive. 
Um, but I can see where if you were adapting the story, this is the choice you'd make. Uh, so she, it's a 152-year-old book. So it's like, you, you probably know. Um, with that, like the, obviously the Hummels are kind of squeezed in there to give Beth Scarlet fever. Um, the March has come from money, then lost it. That said, I don't know if you can really tell they're as poor as they say they are in the movie. Um, kind of like the first Hunger Games movie where they forgot the hunger. Um, I think the movie nails the passage of time. Like you can feel Amy, especially, um, but also Joe age. I don't know if you can tell that Amy is the youngest one. Like throughout the movie, Emma, of course, is just young the whole time. Like the only differentiation is how sick she is. Um, and I just upset with myself, I guess, because I, I just don't connect with Emma Watson as much as I want to. Um, but that's the nature of Meg, right? Hmm. Well, I had no complaints. I think it's pretty much flawless. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, any changes? No? I can't really think of any changes. It, the only one I could possibly think of, and it might have just confused people, would be the in the end where everyone's all happy and, you know, at the school that they've made. If, it, if Beth was just there, I think that would kind of mm-hmm. fit with the fantasy nature of it. Oh, okay. But it probably would have confused <laughs> people. Yeah. Um, my only change would be I would love for them to squeeze in more for, for Laura Dern and, you know, Margaret Sr. there. Um, also, I would recast Papa March, but I don't know why I'm so against him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, because like Marmy's like life is kind of, I mean, we probably are. I, I feel like Marmy's life is kind of an aspiration and a threat at the same time. You know what I mean? Like Meg wants to be her mom and like Joe is just like, well, mom's life seems dreadful. I don't know. <sighs> I have 11 people for power rankings. Oh man, I forgot to do my rankings. So I'm going to say I have. You didn't even do your rankings? I fucked up my rankings. I have I have eight. Mm, okay. Well, at number 11, I have you for not doing your rankings. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I have John Brooke. Why don't you stop being oh, such yeah. a sad ass? Uh, number 10, I have Frederick. Just because, yeah. I, I don't know, I really feel like this guy doesn't do enough to like earn his good graces back. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine, I have Aunt March. Just because, mm-hmm. I don't know, she's fine, whatever. Who do you have for number eight? Uh, Papa March. Wow. Okay. I have Beth at number eight because she died. Mm. I like characters who don't die, Beth. Yeah, I really fucked up because I didn't finish too many. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, at seven, I've got Frederick Bayer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I've got Mr. Lawrence at seven. Seems like a nice guy. Mm. Yeah, he would be. Um, at uh, six, I've got the man child, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I've got Laurie at six as well. I mean, I guess he's effective in these kind of roles. I've never seen him in anything where he isn't playing this character more or less. So I don't know what he's like or if he always just plays these characters. I never saw beautiful boy because it just seems like he like wails and and screams in that. I know I wasn't like super into him in the Dune trailer. I wasn't like, yeah, I got to see more of that guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What do you got in there? Five. Uh, Five. I have Meg. Wow. Okay. I've got Marmy at five. Hmm. Um, at four, I've got Marmy. Hmm. Did you just like leave some people off this entirely? I did. Okay. I did. I, I, I thought I'd finished this last night, but I clearly didn't mm-hmm. until I just realized. I've recording. got so uh, Mr. Dashwood at number four. He's fun. Oh, yeah. I've got him at three. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. You're willfully missing the point. You're right. <laughs> I have Meg at three in your face. Okay. 
So this is where I don't know. This is where we might be different. Mm-hmm. And two, mm-hmm. I have Josephine March. Of course you do. I mean, who who if if you were to say I'm the blank of these four, who who are you? Uh, I would probably be a mixture of Joe and Amy. <laughs> I think you clearly know who my number two, number one are. I have Amy at number two hmm. and Joe at number one. And you have Amy at yeah. number one, I assume. I, I do. Mm-hmm. I think she's incredible. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I, like a lot of people, it's like, I really hated that character in the book. And uh, I love her in the movie. So yeah, I have no baggage from the book to bring into this. So I didn't have any uh, preconceived notions of her. I just enjoyed her character. I'm trying to remember. So it's it's uh, Claire Danes is Beth in the 94 version, right? And it's Kirsten Dunst in um, Samantha Mathis as Amy. Uh, I might as well look this up. Hold on. And some unknown is Meg. Let's see. Little Women. There was a Maya Hawk version of this in 2017. It was that like for TV or something. There was a like a modern day esh maybe that version. No, there's another one in 2018 too. Geez, they just yeah. like kept making this movie recently. There's like a BBC version. I want to say I don't know which 2018, which 2017. There's a modern day version and there's a like a BBC period version. I believe there's been a couple like books and graphic novels where they they do it in like modern day. Okay, Winona writer is Joe. Trini Alvarado is Meg, who yeah. I don't know, she's in the Frighteners and Fringe for an episode. Yeah, never heard of this chick. Oh, she was in Fringe for an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's in the Babe as Babe. Well, here's the problem, man. Or something her mom. She married that uh, snow that snooze John Brooke mm-hmm. and went to obscurity. Yeah, it looks like she didn't do a whole lot. But yeah, Kirsten Dance is younger Amy March, and Samantha Mass is, is older Amy March. And Claire Danes is Beth. Yeah. Stoltz mm-hmm. is John Brooke. Stoltz. John Neville is Mr. Lawrence. Wow. Oh, interesting. Okay. Susan Sarandon. The well manicured man. Mrs. March there. I'm sure she's fine in the role and you know, hideous in her everyday life now. Sure. Yeah. Convincing everyone that they uh, shouldn't vote for Hillary. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've uh, we've covered this movie well. It's a fun movie. Yeah, it's enjoyable. I'm glad you picked it. Mm-hmm. Next week, what are we doing? Ooh, good question. What are we doing next week? I can't remember. Do we agree to do Scott Pilgrim or something else next week? Uh, I think we agreed to do something else. Okay. What was it? Uh, something else. Something um, else. I'm sure we'll figure it out off air like we figured out this one off air. Mm-hmm. I I don't think people want to hear us floundering. Trying to Are we, is it going to be horror movie time? It might be because that'll be October, right? Uh, yeah, we'll be in October by that point. Yeah. Okay, so it's let's talk horror movies, baby. Horror related. Um, I think so we're going to do the whole month, right? So one of them. At least four. Yeah. yeah. How about us for one of them? I like that. I like that a yeah. lot. Um, and then. Can, can I suggest the thing? The original, I assume. Well, the one in the eighties with John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Right, because that's a remake. But yeah, um, yeah. Us, the thing, and then we'll have to find two more. We've already done all the scream ones. I don't know. I I feel like maybe we should pick one that neither of us have seen just for fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that, that would sense. be necessarily, but like I really don't watch new horror movies much anymore. So I'm sure there's a lot out not- there. 
But you could do. Like, We're still she, doing like torture porn, aren't we? A little she bit. Could do like Hereditary or something. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> have you seen that? No, I have not. Okay, maybe we should do that then. Um, You've seen it. Though. I've seen it. Yeah, it's it's something. I don't think I want to watch that. I think I don't. I don't. Especially uh, during quarantine, I can't watch that by myself. You sure? Yeah, get scared. Hmm. Which is I don't know don't don't explain to me there's a certain mode of like that almost Polanski esque thing where I fucking loved Midsummer even though that's not a movie I can recommend to anyone because mm-hmm. of things that happen into it. Maybe I'll talk you into one of those. Um, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. But I don't know. Should we say us for next week then? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, spoiler. I I I really enjoyed us, and I you know I think it's safe to say I love the thing. Yeah. So yeah, we've both seen us and the thing. So maybe one of those other movies will do one we haven't seen. All right. Well, until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.